Hiya. Uh, before we start the show, we wanted to just take a couple of minutes to say something. This isn't a podcast about politics or current events, but we felt we couldn't ignore what was happening in the world right now and not say a word. I'm also of the belief that you cannot separate politics out from our cultural output. But importantly, basic human rights are not a political issue. People should not be afraid of being murdered by brutal and oppressive systems and regimes just because of their race or sexuality or gender. That is unarguable. So we'd just like to state that we fully stand behind the protesters in America, Black Lives Matter, and if it was possible, we would be out there with you. So stay strong, stay safe, but please keep fighting. It's really important. If you cannot get out to the protest, then support the countless charities that are doing really important work right now. Black Lives Matter, The Bail Project and Unicorn Riot are ones we'd like to suggest, but there are countless more out there and you can find them yourself. Equally, racism and police brutality isn't a uniquely American thing. We are a UK-based podcast and there is a lot to do in the UK to tackle those exact same issues in our society. So please, if you're based in the UK, look at home and see what you can do. We don't know what will happen between now and when this podcast drops. But as we are a movie podcast, we wanted just to provide a list of films that you could watch and educate yourself. Part of allyship is about listening and sharing the voices of those oppressed. And this is something we can all do. So please, check out When They See Us, 13th, Do Not Resist, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, 16 Shots, let the Fire Burn, The Hate You Give, Slavery by Another Name, Boys in the Hood, If Bill Street Could Talk, I Am Not Your Negro, Selma, Malcolm X, Do the Right Thing, Get Out. Thank you. And now, on with the show. Maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. A clown prince of crime? A bank robbery in New York City? No, this isn't the Joker, but it's Bill Murray's Quick Change. And this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on an adventure to watch a century of cinema, decade by decade, year by year. And I'm one half of your host, Liam Delaney. And I'm Oliver Jones. And this week, actually, we're not doing that. Um, this week we're taking a step away from our little adventure through history or whatever. I don't know, that sounds quite grand. And uh, instead we're going to look at uh, Bill Murray in what we're calling our, uh, I don't know, Inspirators, Inspirators series? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're still, fu- we're still kind of anchoring it on a film that we haven't seen from, mm-hmm. from and this is from the 90s as well. Is it 91? 1990, I think, actually. Is it 1990? It's definitely one of the night. Yeah, nineteen ninety. You're correct. Yeah. See, <laughs> they wear some nice like eighties suits in it at some point. They're oh, like they do. The thin in Wham or something. But yeah, we did the same. We started off with podcast with an episode about um, Kevin Smith, kind of anchored around his newest film, uh, Jane Bible Sobs, JM Silent Bob Boot, <laughs> um, and yeah. we were kind of saying that we'll now and again jump in to do these kind of series when we talk about people that were big influences on us and and people that we're really big fans of unfortunately that episode was a bit negative (laughs) 
because <laughs> that film yeah, a little bit. was a bit uh, that film left a bad taste um but when yeah but if you if you'd seen yoga hoses it probably would have been a, a bit of a nicer sweeter taste mm. so it kind of that would have Maybe balanced true, it out a bit for you but um we thought we'd now we've finished our 90s series we'd look into someone who during the 90s was a big film star um and and uh, he directed a film at the start of the night, so we're looking to Bill Murray. But before that, how you doing, Al? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, unlike previous weeks where I haven't hit my creative goals, I've actually hit one of my goals this week. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Anything's like a little win at the moment. If oh, you're yeah, yeah, totally. How are you anyway? Are you okay? Um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> We've had internet problems today, so I'm a bit of a bad mood. Because yeah, we're both tethering our phones. So we'll yeah, see how I've well got my goes. phone balanced on like a window shelf in another room right now. I'm trying to pick up. Anchored at a 95 degree angle just to. Yeah, I've got tinfoil anchor coming out of it or something. Anchor aerial coming out of it. Anchor will do. Chuck it in a fucking river. <laughs> yeah, and it's windy today. Very it windy. It's really windy. And it was the bank holiday weekend. And I thought I'd go and play in the sun because I've been inside all week when it's been really sunny. And. Um, it's dreadful, but that doesn't matter. What have I been doing this week? What did I do? Um, oh, I know what happened this week. We can talk about briefly. Go on then. <laughs> I watched Happy Feet two, <laughs> and I how is it? Literally, can't stop thinking about it. I, I like even. I don't know how long, how many, it's seven days later, six days later since I watched it, six days later. I can't stop thinking about this film. It's it's broken my brain that this film exists. I've only seen a bit of the first one and it's at the end. I'm sure one of the little penguins is in, is in like a, is like a zoo or something like that, or there's a glass dome and it's got real people. Oh, I yeah, think. yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, looking really, at it. That's like um, a it... big unveil in that film in the fact that the people aren't animated. So it gives this really kind of alien aspect to them. Yeah, because the penguins kind of see us as otherworldly because yeah. if you've never seen a human before, I guess you would. They I mean, us aliens. I don't know how a penguin thinks. but Well, I can tell you how the happy feet penguins think. <laughs> Had... So what's the idea? One of them is good at dancing or something. Or are they all good at dancing? Yeah. Um, happy feet one. I don't really like Happy Feet 1. Um, I'm going to hard press to say I like Happy Feet 2. I'm just more can't believe it exists more than anything else. Is it like a babe pig in the city kind of oh, just yeah. batshit weird sequel? I mean, so what's, George so tell me just what's the story of the first one just in a nutshell? First one's really easy. Elijah Wood is a penguin who can't sing. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and every penguin has their heart song. And it's okay. really important to find your mate that has their a matching heart song but elijah wood cannot sing he can only dance and can the other penguins dance no well actually ah, they can so they just don't know they can oh okay so <laughs> then he's... yeah it is the story so at the end it's like he still can't sing then no but they all love him dancing and he finds his mate because her like singing goes with his dancing um uh, okay but really it's a film about climate change really Okay. Um, it's it's massively about kind of the fact that, oh God, Happy Feet one. Uh, um, it's about the fact that the humans are overfishing, and the penguins are dying. So the dancing penguin goes to try and talk to the humans to tell them to stop fishing, and when they notice he dances, they they he becomes a megastar, and the UN decide to stop fishing. <laughs> 
Oh, so they're not captured or anything like that. I've totally got that all wrong then. He is captured, but not like he wasn't like aggressively captured. He did go to see okay. them. He, he thought he could talk to them, basically. Um, oh, but he's just going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure I've seen a bit where he looks like he's going nuts. Yeah, he does go nuts in the in the zoo. He goes completely nuts in the zoo. Um, yeah, why does he go nuts? Because he's just staring at walls of like like fake ice right. and like walls of glass and stuff like that. Okay. Um. So the Happy Feet one's really about the fact that it's that kind of really default story of you know you can be who you are and the um uh you know you can be accepted for your differences and everybody's special it's that kind of story you know that kind of i'm invested now how did he get out of the zoo uh he starts dancing a little kid starts tapping on the glass and he hears the beat and he starts tap dancing and he becomes like a global sensation and and they decide to take him back home to see if there's any more dancing penguins (laughs) 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 all right okay (laughs) yeah that's happy feet one so um then happy feet two comes along and if you know george miller like this is you know we can't do like blank checker doing this moment but like he's kind of the king of sequels in the fact that he doesn't just make a sequel he he really does think different and um and happy feet two starts with the fact that you got elijah wood and i can't remember his mate but they've got a kid and okay the kid can't dance um and he makes a fool of himself at the start of the film which ends up with him hanging up upside down and pissing on himself which is right at the start of the film <laughs> um and you think it's going to be the, the reverse you know like he can't dance and they're going to fi- have to find a way for him to kind of integrate into penguin worlds that dance um but they get rid of that with about in the first half an hour like like that's fine doesn't matter like he goes you know this is that that's what george miller took to the studio and went look it's just going to be this it's simple and he just got rid of that and instead and this is the opening line on the wikipedia for the plot description of Happy two and it's one of my favorite overnight descriptions a giant iceberg threatens antarctica and that's the <laughs> that's the kind of that's what the plot becomes um uh but then we're introduced to kind of a lot of different characters. We're introduced to a, a puffin that is, is can fly, but everyone thinks he's a penguin. So he's kind of like a false kind of cult leader that everyone thinks that we can learn how to fly because this penguin can fly. Um, we're introduced to the world of the krill, who are like, there's two krill, um, Will and Bill, I think, who are... um they decide they they're gonna have to leave the they want more from life and they can't because they can't contribute to the swarm they want more from life and they leave the swarm and we also follow the myriad of racist what robin williams characters um, because you know it's robin williams in that time period um so when did this film come out i don't know 2013 is that right oh, look it uh, so it's not that old not that old no it's, I forgot it's, Robin Williams. It's not the only time he's played a penguin. I'm sure he's played a penguin in another film as well. Was it the not Surf's Up or the Pebble and the Penguin? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Surf's Up or Pebble and the Penguin, I think, was John Belushi's. No, not John Belushi. Which is the Belushi that's still alive? James. Is it James Belushi? Thank you. Or Martin Short's in that one. <laughs> the Belushi's. Anyway. 
anyway, yeah. So the 2011 it was. Um, and uh, do you know like Nashville, the film Nashville or Magnolia? Um, yeah. uh, there's loads of separate little stories that are not interacting at all. Uh, this is what Happy Feet 2 is. There's just loads of different stories. Oh, we're also introduced to like the sea elephants. Is that what they're called? Um, and that they, um, the king of the beach, he calls himself and he won't back up um, because if he backs up, he's weak. And like Happy Feet 2 is really, it's really weird. It's really about how like the intrinsic nature of animals can't be changed and you you have your place in the world and if you deviate from that you it would be bad kind of thing and that's what all this okay. plot is which is a hundred percent the opposite message to happy feet one like it's it's a hundred percent just switches on head and goes well you know you're krill you 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 you're, you can't be predators you're gonna you have to be eaten um and then it all builds up to this finale that that brings all these disparate storylines together of the entire like Antarctic world dancing um, that breaks this uh, glacier apart that is blocking the where the penguins live and that includes like the krill are dancing as well but the krill don't know they're dancing along with like the world above them and the world above them don't know the krill exist even <laughs> um, and the final like hit of the the last dance is uh is brad pitt krill like doing a stomp on the ground and that's like the final vibration that breaks like the glacier and it's all to the under pressure by queen and it's <laughs> no I- irony it is wonderful as a scene it's like I've, I've watched it like 50 times like all these guns like george miller's just freedom of just throwing a camera where he can in and the look and the visuals of it and everything splitting together and the fact that you're going through this film which is not easy to kind of get on board with you're not really knowing what's happening and then the last bit it all kind of just comes together in this kind of beautiful mesh and i it broke me <laughs> this film has broke my brain what's more <laughs> that I, watch. I, I did say to you as well is that um brad pitt and matt damon are playing explicitly gay krill they're they're partners <laughs> And um, they're dealing with like an existential crisis that, you know. How, how, how come I've never heard about this? You'd think know. this would have been a bigger. <laughs> it's topic so weird. When this film came out. It's so weird. I think it's the, so, two it's of the world's an... biggest stars are playing a gay couple. And it's an not. I had film. heard. I had heard Brad Pitt plays a gay krill in this, and I thought it was just like, well, he'll have flappy hands, and you know, like a high voice, and you know, you know he. He'll take you to krill out or something. Like I, I just thought it was going to be that, and it's not. <laughs> it's not. They were explicitly gay. They are having a crisis because they can't have kids, and that means they can't really contribute to the swarm. Um, they want more from life because of that, because they feel like they're fed up of being the bottom rung of society because their life is meaningless. They're just prey, and they can't actually contribute. So they go out on their own to try and find some and make something of themselves and they have like you know couple arguments they talk about adopting they um it and then and then when they argue and split like Brad Pitt spends like a like a momentary time alone like kind of like pining for his mate kind of thing it's it's all like it's not he's playing a gay quill it's an explicitly homo- like homosexual narrative in this film which i was like 
what? <laughs> what? So, like, how, how did they do this? But and the line that I keep thinking about as well is when um, Brad Pitt starts to dance. That's basically what he brings back to the swarm, this dancing and this idea that they can't, they don't have to just be like, um, like prey. They can hide under these glaciers and eat the ice. And that means they can live in a way that they're not just um, getting eaten by whales. And um, when he's dancing, he tries to teach them dance like they're all like, what, what's that? What you're doing? And he goes, oh, it's just maybe it's just a momentary relief from the existential terrors of existence. <laughs> that's a line in a kids film <laughs> I love it I'm absolutely obsessed with this bonkers so song. I was just looking up to see if Robin Williams was in the Surf Certain movies oh, yeah. or the Pebble and the Penguin he was in neither but however huh. there was a sequel to Surf's Up 2 produced by WWE Studios what and it's Surf's Up 2 Wave Mania and so <laughs> and I just went on a deep dive looking at all the films that wwe make it seems like they make straight to dvd sequels of films that kind of have no relation to wrestling so they do lots of no like they do lots of marine kind of films they do what else have they done i know i've seen like a scooby-doo featuring like like john cena or something oh they did the leprechaun film you know leprechaun yeah they did that had a wrestler in it that had um oh okay uh Hornswoggle was his character's name. I can't remember the the um, wrestler's name. He plays. So in Surf's Up Two, you've got John Cena, obviously, is the lead. You've sure. got <laughs> uh, the Undertaker, Page, what? Triple H, Vince McMahon. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this film? <laughs> uh, box office one point two million. So Whoa! Obviously, it didn't, didn't <laughs> That's do actually... that well. I think it was just a straight to DVD streaming film, but. Um, Wave Mania. Yeah, it's even got like WrestleMania logo. Look at the Undertaker penguin. What is going oh, is on? Actually, oh, they are <laughs> themed like them. Yes. Oh my god. Need to, we need to see this. I, I bet the film. animation is terrible. <laughs> oh my god. He's even got tattoos like the Undertaker. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else this I've watched amazing. this week. I've watched a lot of Bill Murray films, but I did watch, uh, me and yeah, Caroline watched E.T. yesterday. And I've got a weird relationship okay. with E.T. The longer I go without watching E.T., I think, I don't really like E.T. I don't yeah. like it. I don't... And then I watch it again. And I'm like, I fucking love E.T. <laughs> it's like, it's so well directed. And it is a bit on the nose or whatever at times, sure. or a bit kind of, uh, I don't know what the word, a bit overly sentimental as some... Spielberg As... films can can be yeah, but it's yeah. but it's a kids film and it's so well done and it doesn't talk down to kids or anything like that. It's just it's. I mean, it's, it's got a great it's got a great build up to it and um, it's just it's a really good film, <laughs> like really really good. I, I really had to make sure it. I watched the original and not the bastardization <laughs> like two thousand two version. Torches is it? Is that what we did? He replaces guns with torches. Yeah, replaced guns with torches. Um, there's loads of like CGI replacement oh, on is, um, yeah. on his face. Isn't there a weird like looks... him hobbling over a hill or something? Or yeah, there's a few like because you have scenes where he's in the crop fields earlier on in the films, and it's literally just a light that they kind of like just move through the cornfield, which works. Yeah. But in the the new version they kind of have like a cgi character they see stumbling through i like the fact though that you don't really get a full reveal of et till about what 25 30 yeah, yeah. minutes into absolutely. it absolutely that seems purposeful not that not that they were limited by it yeah, yeah. but meh. but no I, I do love that film i'll give it another three years and i'll be like mm, do i like et yeah i mean i'm, I'm, I'm currently <laughs> in that mode of i don't really like tt 
mean, and but... then watch it though. It's like the performance you get out of the kids is fantastic. Like sure. so good. Spielberg. Man. Um, oh, it's not a hot. Yeah. It's not a hot um, take to say Spielberg's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. Yeah, but he is, and that's what it, like. I think sometimes we forget that he's amazing. I think we take him for granted a little bit. I think um. I yeah. Oh, go on. Although I was gonna say, I, w- I recently watched the Twilight Zone movie as well, and he's probably okay. got the weakest um, like segment in that. Okay, I'm gonna. W- I was gonna watch that this week actually. So I know George Miller did one of them. That's why I'm gonna watch. Well, it. George Miller did the remake of the one with Shatner looking out on the window. Oh, the Terror at Ten Thousand Feet or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. Called. yeah, and it's got John Lithgow in it, and he's yeah. really good actually. John Lithgow is. Um, didn't they recently remake that one as well with the? Um... I haven't watched the reboot. Um, the Jordan Peele one. Yeah, I haven't. I've got it to watch. I just haven't sat down and done it. But I think they did do it. Because it's um, yeah. who's the other directors in it? Jo- Joe Dante, and um, Joe Dante did a wicked one where um, it's like this kid can like wish like yes, he did that one. Yeah, bring anything to reality or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, but because he's a kid, he's obsessed with cartoons, and it's Joe Dante who's also oh, cool. obsessed with cartoons. Yeah, and it's kind of got like, this real world cartoony feel to it. It's really yeah. cool. And then you've kind of got like the the bookends kind of a, is um, John Dan Aykroyd, and he's like a he's John like Landis directed them, um, but yeah, yeah, John yeah John Landis, and then he did the one where sadly the the main guy and I think the two kids got killed. Oh, was it? I, oh shit! I know. It's, and did, like there was some helicopter it wasn't there, or something. Yeah, I mentioned it before on a previous episode, but there's a documentary series called Cursed Films, and they kind of, one of the episodes is de- dedicated to um, the Twilight Zone movie. So the shot where the helicopter crashes and where the actors stand, apparently the cameras are so far back, and there was several cameras so far back that it could have just literally been dummies that were standing there. So why they had to be real actors is, it's not like it, the camera was in close in on them or anything like that. It's, so it sounds really bizarre why that was even... Uh-huh. why it even had to be that had to happen it's, it's it sounds nuts but yeah so i strongly recommend checking out um that documentary series also on shudder there's a new series that looks really quite cool i don't know if it's a series or a short film i haven't seen it yet but i'm looking forward to watching it. it's called blood machines okay and it's like it's kind of like it's a french uh sci-fi film and uh the music's by this guy called carpenter brute who kind of does like you know, like how action films will have this like really heavy synth music. Yeah. So he kind of makes music that sounds like eighties mu- movie music, and cool. That's, that's a little bit like our, our intro then. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and um, they did a music video several years ago, and it did really well. So they just expanded it. So hopefully, on the next episode, I'll be able to talk about Blood Machines. But um, cool. Yeah, I think I've seen um, uh, a guy called Rob Sharp. Um, he's very linked to Dan Harmon. Uh, but he also did okay. Scud, if you remember the Disposable Hero, the comic book. Yeah, um, yeah. He um he is part of the team that rebooted Creep Show on Shudder, and I um I was watching some of some of that, which because I like my I like horror anthology, so I was checking that out. Well, I think it works really well because with horror, it's about just that that idea. It's not yeah. it's not normally about character building and stuff, and I think if it's like an hour long, it's perfect. Yeah, I agree. I I, I have all the old um. Uh, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, and now and again, if I'm just feeling like putting something on, I just put that on, and it's just... yeah, they're just fun to watch, aren't yeah. they? And just contained. I like yeah. I like things that end. This is my whole thing about like, that's why I don't like TV as much as films because it just just goes on. Yeah, same. I like I like I like 
it's like that documentary that I watched uh, about the guy who was accused of murdering someone and they found him on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm when the murder was meant to take place. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was at the baseball yeah. show. Yeah. And, like, it's a hour-long documentary, and you know exactly what happened from the start to the end, and you know what happened. Like, and then you've got these other docuseries where it's, like, 20 episodes, and you still don't know who will <laughs> 20 episodes, and they haven't made any clear kind of, like, advancement or any bit yeah. of evidence or clue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. It's like the staircase. Like, I think that was really fascinating, but... Again, it went on for like about 10 episodes and it's like, oh my God. Yeah, I think... Okay. Although that guy was fascinating to watch though. He was. It was a fascinating story. It was, it, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I still need to watch the one, is it The Jinx or whatever, where the guy kind of accidentally confesses oh, to The Jinx murder. is amazing. I, I do need to watch so that. much. That means I can't make my Jinx joke now because you won't get it. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll save that. We'll save okay. that for time. <laughs> right, let's move on to Bill Murray then. Uh, our topic okay, of conversation cool. today. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be hard for us to cover everything in Bill Murray in this episode because unless we run for about five hours, frankly, um, yeah, he's which, he's got quite a a lengthy um, filmography. Sure, which actually in the eighties is not actually that extensive. No, not at all. Which you think what the era where he kind of became like you know became well, I know he was famous in the late seventies through SNL. And then, like, he did Meatballs and stuff like that. But it, the 80s was when he kind of blossomed with, you know, um, Ghostbusters, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, But that's it, really. It really is Ghostbusters and Scrooge, really, that I think it was two big sure. 80s films. And that's it. I think there's the 80s is really interesting. Really, cause, like, so I think you can split Bill Murray's career into, like, four, I think, really. Um, and, uh, like... I guess I'd try and give some context to Bill Murray. I mean, he's an absolute icon. And to me, I, I, is he my favourite actor? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, maybe. He's up there, for sure. He's up there. Uh, so you kind of, yeah, in the kind of 70s, 77, I think it is, He he he's a second city guy, um, and he's a replacement for Chevy Chase on SNL. So you know how Chevy Chase did one season of SNL and then got an M- Emmy for it and quit? Yeah, he um, became he became massive, and apparently just, a lot of the other people on SNL kind of resented him. Yeah, sure. And Chevy and, is a very difficult guy. Like, there's no no hidden. They had fights, didn't they? Like, I don't think Bill Murray or Chevy Chase particularly liked each other very much. Well, like, Bill Murray's not. Bill, f- Bill Murray's a bit of a spicy guy. Like, oh yeah. Know, like, so yeah, I think both of them probably. So, like, didn't. The stories of them like fight, like because I think Chevy Chase came back a lot on SNL just to be a host. Uh, probably, probably. And I think um, they clashed there's a lot of heated um, instances between Bill Murray and um, and Chevy Chase. Yeah, it's probably just like a clash of egos. You know, that was what the 70s and the 80s of SNL and the comedy scene in America was built on was ego and bravado, I guess. And remember, he when he started SNL, he was hated. Like the public really hated him. Um, he was really self-deprecating, and people didn't kind of get it. And Who, uh, Murray, yeah, Murray, yeah. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Um, so and then famously, he did one weekend update where he sat in the chair and he just goes like, um, you know, look, I know you guys are wondering why th- why isn't this guy funny? Um, I know, <laughs> I know, I get it. Um, I'm really funny with my friends, and then I watch the watch the show, and I'm I'm like, this guy isn't funny, like, and um, that just blows up, and he that he that just cements him 
as like the the wonder boy of like um snl at that point really and from that he kind of gets pushed into films almost immediately so 77 he kind of starts in snl and 79 he does meatballs which you know was a script kind of they bounced around really but he hooks up with ramis at this point in his career and they really push each other forward so you have meatballs where he's wasn't ramis part of the second city as well though yeah totally they're both second city people um so you kind of have meatballs caddyshack where he's a bit character but he shows another side of himself a really comedic kind of side then you have stripes which you know is ramis um and i don't know if you know this but stripes was originally a cheech and chong movie and it was developed as one well reading that book that i've got called wild and crazy guys i know that um at the premiere of meatballs um ivan reitman i don't know if he's kind of writing his own story or whatever like being an unreliable narrator like telling his life story he said oh i had an epiphany at the premiere and i was like my next film is gonna be stripes and he told jeffrey katzenberg or whatever his name is who was (laughs) the producer was like i've got the idea for my next film and it's gonna be bill murray and (laughs) so i don't know i guess it's one of those chinese whispers things. yeah yeah or you tell yourself something so much that it becomes yeah, True, just, but I could yeah. kind of see it as a Cheech and Chong film. Oh, definitely, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's you now Cheech and Chong join the army, whatever. Did Did you watch this? Did you watch Stripes? I did. I rewatched Stripes. Oh, yeah, good. This week, yeah. So did I. Um, which is the old joke about Stripes is that no one can tell you what happens in the second half of it. Um, <laughs> it's very true. It's fucking bonkers. Like, yeah, even now after watching it, I'm going, yeah, they kind of get a bus. Um, yeah, they get a su- a super tech up <laughs> bus. Yeah. And then they show it off they to their girlfriends who are in Germany. Peru? And then, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's good. Yeah. And like he's good in Meatballs. He's good in Caddyshack. He's, he's really good in Caddyshack. He's, he's good in Stripes. And in Stripes, he's carrying the film, which that's his first time he's ever carried a film. Um, he's the lead. He's he's in Bill Murray mode. You know, he's doing the offhands. He's being funny. He's, um, and well, apparently with Meatballs, he actually didn't want to do it. Like, because he kind of saw where all the... He saw where like Dan Aykroyd went and John Belushi and um, Chevy Chase and how becoming famous kind of almost ruined them. Like they right. became like he didn't like who they became. He saw them with their flash cars and their big houses. He was a guy who lived in a three hundred dollar a month like shitty apartment and had like a real crap car. <laughs> and he was quite content being that person. And he didn't want to become a celebrity. Really, I think he just liked doing the job. He didn't want everything else that kind of. I think he came probably saw himself as still a comedian at that point as well. Yeah, and um, so when it came to Meatballs and they wanted him to do Meatballs, he was it was his summer off from SNL, and he so he thought he said, "I'm just going to drive around the country and follow this basketball team." <laughs> and so this is kind of where the the legend of trying to get hold of Bill Murray is impossible. Sure, sure. And so sure. they kept they kept like apparently. Ivan Reitman, who wanted him for the film, kept having to phoning all these different basketball venues. Again, I don't know how true this is. Yeah, this again. There's a lot of legend like and writing their own legend with Bill Murray, with especially Bill yeah. Murray. There's there's even that documentary about like Bill Murray stories and things. He's 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 become this character. Like yeah, so what I was going to say yeah, but then he reluctantly just decided to do it and turned up on set and uh, apparently ward for wardrobe. Uh, Ivan Reitman was like. Yeah, just wear what you're wearing already. So he just kind of wore his own clothes. And it, apparently he was meant to focus more on the kids. But uh, because sure. they saw how good he was, they kept writing more and more for him and did more right. and more reshoots until he became like the main character. The main character, basically, yeah. 
Have you seen? Have you seen Meatballs? Many years ago, I didn't watch it recently. It's like a I camp mean, comedy. I remember. Yeah, it's kind of like, almost like, uh, Animal House light kind of film. Almost. Yeah. Okay. Do, yeah. Do you know I mean? Yeah. The main theme song sounds like the Sesame Street theme because it's just got loads of kids shouting and screaming over it. And oh God, that sounds awful. All he ta- he just plays this guy that people kind of look up to. Okay. He's yeah. A bit, yeah. He's a little bit naughty, but it's kind of got so that awkward 70s kind of humor in it where um for example you know there's a lot of underage girls at sure, um, sure. a camp and i'm guessing you know there's a lot of boys who want to kind of you know get their end away and then like there's there's one line i remember cringing at where he goes <laughs> was it they've got they've got the equipment but not the skills to use it and it's like Ugh. <laughs> and then there's another scene where like bill murray's wrestling with a girl that he likes not he's it's another camp counselor who's like of his age not a, not a younger girl yeah but he's like wrestling with her and it's to the point where it's way too over the top and sure. it's borderlining on like well, I mean, it's like simulated rape scene You're like what's going on well in stripes like, you have john candy doing the mud wrestling as well in that bar. yeah which he didn't want to do didn't apparently. he he said i just don't want to do this and he was talked into doing it but i don't think he was happy about doing it mm. but there's another scene in stripes as well where i think Bill Murray's getting it on with the girl on the on the stove. Oh yeah, and, he, and he's being that very feels, aggressive with that. The feels flipping. incredibly non-script. Yeah, and I was it just feels like, totally just like bit, Bill Murray feel being Bill Murray watching this bit. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so uh, and you know he does after stripes he does Tootsie, uh, which kind of cements him. It's a huge film, but he's kind of he's not the lead in it, but he's kind of. He's playing again, a little bit against type. He's just playing like he's not playing something really loud and characterish. He's just playing like a, almost a normal guy, even though you know he's not normal. But I always forget he's in that film, you know. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's that kind of thing, really. Um, and then through this time period, as you say, he doesn't really want to be a, a kind of SNL movie star. He actually wants to be kind of a real movie star. Um, yeah. Because so he does like where the buffalo roam when he's playing Hunter S. Thompson because he's a huge Hunter S. Thompson guy. And did you know that was meant to be originally Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi again? And like, really, the, I didn't the, know that. Well, it's, you can kind of see Belushi yeah. as uh, Gonzo. Oh, totally. And and I guess Dan Aykroyd would have been uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, I can see. But that. apparently, doing that film, like he lived with um, he lived with Hunter S. Thompson yeah. for a bit. Yeah. And Hunter S. Thompson pretty much almost killed him in the swimming pool. <laughs> Like literally, like almost killed Bill Murray. But again, that could be legend building, could be legend, especially like, with so Hunter don't... S. Both like Hunter S. and Bill Murray. That's like two kind of these. It's their like... bread and butter is their their awkwardness. Yeah, <laughs> like... and their kind of um, I don't know legend building as stories and things. Yeah, uh, that film flops. Um, it's not very good, um, but, but that film flops. I've, and... I've never seen it, but I know like when Fear and Loathing came out, they kept trying to. You know, if you go to like the music, the video store or whatever to oh, buy the DVD, it was there for like two pound ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. They're like, buy it, buy it. Like, please, I don't really want it. <laughs> no one knows. Yeah, just, please, just take it from us. And he really wants to f- do a film called Razor's Edge, um, which is an adaptation of a book, and it's a period piece. Um, they wouldn't really, uh, and it's a completely dramatic role. There's no comedy in it whatsoever, and and Bill Murray was like passionate about doing the Razor's Edge. Uh, no one, the, the studio wouldn't fund him because they didn't want him to be a dramatic actor. Uh, so this is where, and we can't go into the whole legend around Ghostbusters, but this is where Ghostbusters comes yeah. in and he goes to do Ghostbusters instead. Because Ghostbusters is so, so huge, 
he is allowed to go make the razor's edge then well i um, thought it was the other i thought it was like i'll do ghostbusters if yeah that's why you went on meant actually you yeah. make, if i make this film yeah yeah um and ghostbusters yeah ghostbusters whatever it's massive huge it's great like i think um like it's it, just to say we all know about the casting stuff about ghostbusters and things but um he, him in Ghostbusters is really, I think, a little quite important to Bill Murray because he has this ability to kind of shit on, like downplay and kind of comment on the movie a bit, which yeah. I would doubt would be in the script. That's That feels like Bill Murray. Um, but it doesn't destroy the film and it actually elevates the film. And I think that's a really hard thing to do, in, especially in comedy. And I think a lot of people keep trying to do this with Bill Murray, with with just generally, not just with Bill Murray. Um, and it's almost that's what defines what like Bill Murray feels like as a movie star. He's um, okay, and yeah, Ghostbusters is huge. He does the Razor's Edge. The Razor's Edge bombs. The Razor's Edge bombs so hard, like the critics hate it. No one sees it. And um, Bill Murray takes this really to heart and he quits Hollywood at this point. So it's 1984 and he quits. He goes and he goes to France. He goes to Sorbonne. He studies philosophy for four years. He does nothing else, but he does a cameo in Little Shop. Um, Yeah, he's great in that scene. Yeah, he's great. But that's all he does. Like, he doesn't do anything else. He just hangs out in Paris and he hangs out studying philosophy. Apparently he's in, like, She's Having a Baby, but I guess that is 88. So that is four years later, isn't it? Yeah, it's four years later, yeah. Yeah. um and uh like again we talked about bill murray legend building i don't want to kind of overplay this kind of like quit this retirement to the studying philosophy thing it's kind of like what Chappelle did kind of stuff but yeah yeah, yeah. um, i think he just kind of didn't know who he wanted to be yeah and i think that's what we're going to get to a bit later on especially in the 90s but he's constantly at odds with who he wants to be and what he wants to do in that until I think at a certain point he hits his stride and he knows the, pro- the trajectory where he wants to go. He's a, he's a guy who hitches his wagon to people. So at this time, he's hitched his wagon with Ramis and Reitman and he's just doing everything yeah. Ramis and Reitman does. So that's why he's it's, in Ghostbusters, Stripes, Meatballs, Caddyshack. Um, it's funny that Scrooge is his like, first comeback. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, he comes out of time, he does Scrooge. And this is what I think, This is this, so you know, the first section is like, young comedy star, this is Bill Murray movie star now. Like... He's um comes back. He does Scrooged, uh, which is not huge, but it's um he's great. In I it. think because it's uh, because it's, it's a Christmas film, it kind of survives the test of time, doesn't yeah. it? It kind of it lives on. I think. I think it's bigger now than it ever was when it came out. It, yeah. Like, so and it's managed to kind of just stand up as as a, as you say a Christmas film. Um. He then does Ghostbusters two, which. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, know. I don't like. I'm. I don't hate Ghostbusters too. I don't think it's a patch on the first one, but I think Bill Murray's got some amazing bits in it. Like yeah. he's like, I don't think like. So apparently, he said that you know he didn't like Ghostbusters too that much because it wasn't the film they originally were going to make, and you can tell it's a film that they were writing mm-hmm. as they were making it, totally. and it just ended up being a carbon copy of the first one. Pretty, and much. it's a bit of a mess. I know there's a lot of I mean, reevaluation of Ghostbusters too now, and I'm not. I, I, I'm not a massive distract, detractor of it but it's not a good film it's, it's, I don't think it's a mess I've got but for for what we're doing what's important to know is that Ghostbusters is massive and Bill Murray kind of makes yeah. the film <laughs> like he, he almost steals the film 
at the Any time. Any excuse, like, I can just talk about Ghostbusters. I know, I know. It's a well, we, <laughs> at some point we'll probably have to do it, but like, uh, well, yes, there is a new film coming out next year. Oh, is which there? We are going to cover. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in a bit of disagreement about the new film because I don't care about it, but I just hope it's good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So uh, Scrooged, he does Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Um, for him anyway in his terms of career he doesn't care about doing it and it doesn't do anything for him really um, I, I'm guessing it got him a lot of money though yeah yeah. This I reckon because like 89 was a big year for film and it was like for me I don't know about you but it seemed to be like the first year where films were like promoted in such a like heavy way like you know you had Batman you had Indiana okay. Jones you had Ghostbusters and I mean everything. I don't remember 1989 I don't know if you do. No, but... I, I don't remember it, but I just know. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. I thought like, you meant you know, personally. It was a so big... you had Ghostbusters serial, Batman serial. Yeah. You know, they had the burger tie-ins. You had all this kind of stuff, which, I, yeah, you had big films in the past, but I don't think it was like, that, like that's when kind of the blockbuster kind of really kind of went poof. Yeah. Like fucking hammering it home. Anyway. It's, the money really falls to... into the like, Hollywood at that point. Is that what you're saying? But yeah, that's but... what, maybe they had more back-end deals and stuff like that. Because like, because I know that, they couldn't make a Ghostbusters film without Bill Murray signing on. Sure, they wouldn't. Yeah. Like for a long time, that's that's what halted Ghostbusters three because they couldn't make one unless he said okay. Um, so I reckon he got a big back end of that. They must have promised him a lot or given him a lot to make that film. Or maybe merchandise or something. Maybe. Yeah, something like that. Right. Yeah. Um. So um. And then this is where the film we're going to cover today comes in. We'll come back to it because it doesn't make sense to go into it right now but this where quick change comes in which is the only film he's directed uh co-directed really i should say yeah um and uh he um it doesn't do anything it, it actually makes very small impact at the time um i think it flops and uh yeah i don't think it made its production back or did no it, or i don't just think it does about... budget's 20 million it made 13 so no it doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, but like it does start oh no that's the wrong film liam Budget was seventeen. It made fifteen, so just under. So yeah. Uh, so um, he. This is where this film does kind of persist, though. Um, it kind of picks up a cult following. It's kind critically, it's actually quite liked. Um, yeah, it, it was. Yeah. And it does. It does hang around afterwards, really, especially because the nineties get a bit odd for Bill Murray. <laughs> I think is the fair thing to say. This yeah. is where he starts getting the kind of um, reputation that he's quite brittle and quite hard to work with. Uh, this is the time period where he fires his agent and starts just working for a lawyer and a voice machine. Uh, this is so. It's this is the time where that he starts building that image of what we think Bill Murray is now. Uh, okay. He then does what about Bob? He him and Richard Dreyfus hate each other. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Uh, he, I, I think mean, Bill. Bill Murray throws someone in the lake, one of his co-stars in a lake during or some filming or something. Like, yeah, is is it's like, yeah, I can't. There was a quote, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. That, that um, uh, Richard Dreyfus said about Bill Murray, but yeah, there was no love for, on that set. I don't think no. for either of them. And Frank Oz's film, I, I like it. I think it holds up. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think it probably could be because you know Richard Dreyfus is a trained actor. And he's in a lead with a guy who he probably considers maybe is like I I've always thought Richard Dreyfus has got a bit of a it's a bit cantankerous as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And Bill Murray's I mean, not he meant hasn't to be worked a in a long nice time, kind really, of friendly guy. So yeah, um, 
yeah, what about Barbie? It's it's pretty big at the time. I think yeah, it is. It made sixty three million. It's a big film. Um, it kind of pushes him on. He does Mad Dog and Glory then, which is completely different because I, I have you seen Mad Dog and Glory? Yeah, I've seen that. Is that where he's the mob boss? And he's, yeah, he's the mob boss, and he's he, not funny. Is his though. wife Uma Thurman? And... Yeah, and he's yeah, basically he's yeah. trying to be a stand-up in it, but he's not funny. Um, yeah, it's, it's I've good. seen it a long time ago, but it, I vaguely remember it, but not not great. Not great. It's it's a good film actually. Um, it's a little against type for him, and it works. And then, well, he, isn't the other guy who who's Robert the other De Niro? Isn't it? Rob, yeah, so Robert De Niro, you think would be the mob boss? Yeah, yeah. But you know, he's Bill Murray. But it works. I like I like Matt Dog and Glory. And then comes Groundhog Day, uh, the same year, which, again, we could spend a whole podcast talking about Groundhog Day. It's well, um, it's possibly his greatest. Yeah, it's it's one of those films that's perfect. Frankly, it's 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 just a pretty much neon perfect film. Uh, but apparently, the, like the set of it though was meant to be like hellish, which is yeah. really bizarre. So this is where he, this is yeah that's what I want to get to totally. Go on. But yeah, it's like, like apparently, like I think the script was written by someone else. I'm not exactly sure who origin who wrote the original script, but I know um, Harold Ramis kind of rewrote it. I think it was Danny yeah. Rubin or something like Danny that. Rubin, and then yeah, Harold is, Ramis yeah. kind yeah. of rewrote it to tailor it to him to be like kind of this warm romantic comedy. Yeah. And, and then, on set, Bill Murray disagrees with that direction. And well, before that, he's secretly it, yeah. rewriting it yeah, before yeah. the film starting, and sets are being built for it and stuff like that. And the film can't go ahead unless Bill Murray's 100% in on it. Yeah, it turns but up. But he's rewriting it. <laughs> and then two weeks before the film starts, they deliver the script. And then Harold Ramis is like going, what the yeah. fuck? And it's like uh, he said, there's a quote or something like that, that he put a nuclear bomb in the middle of the script and just left it there. <laughs> he said there's some remnants of it, but he wants to basically make a more existential kind of film. Yeah. But you can kind of see where there's a mix of the two. We in do. There, we actually, because of that process, I think that what makes the film so good, um, we end agree, up with a film that yeah, kind both. of comes between both what Ramis wanted to do and what Bill Murray wanted to do. It definitely toes that line and gets somewhere which absolutely what is what makes it work it, it has that existential stuff it has that kind of you know uh that that worry about that suicide sequence the stuff about him being god like it, yeah and it also ties this really warm and beautiful romantic story and bill murray carries that as well which um he is a bit of a romantic lead in films but i think groundhog takes his most solidly yeah. romantic lead and, uh, uh, apparently, there's a scene where apparently he shaves his head into a Mohican and then chops his bed up with a chainsaw, which they filmed <laughs> apparently. But instead, in the film, they decided to opt for a scene where he breaks a pencil instead. Oh, yeah, he breaks yeah, the yeah. pencil yeah, and puts pencil, it on. Yeah. The, then puts that's it on when the he's on the phone with the best line in the world. What if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Today. <laughs> well, that's very much like what we're living through at the moment. I said that I watched Groundhog Day last night. Actually, I wasn't. I was kind of not. What I was going to watch just the the smaller films that are like again but i kind of got through all those films and thought i'm gonna watch groundhog day and it is so good and i and i said to my friend that i'm pretty sure if groundhog day was happening to me right now i wouldn't notice <laughs> <laughs> like it might apparently, take me a like, few days um, apparently ramis was like completely baffled by like you know because obviously he considered bill murray one of his best friends yep, and couldn't understand were. why his friend was being so contentious yeah. and like wouldn't talk to him they and, fall out um, for the rest of their life um ramus's life now uh they don't they didn't talk until very close to the end of ramus's life well yeah really he was sad. on his deathbed yeah yeah 
Um, um, I've got a great little anecdote, though, from the set of um, Groundhog Day. Okay, cool. So what's his name he plays in it? Stephen Toblowski. Yeah, Tom, Tom, oh my God, I normally can say it, and it's, my brain's just falling out my nose. Toblowski. So apparently, like, there was one, this is not the anecdote I'm getting to, but apparently, like, like it got really hard for Ramis to even talk to Murray on the set. Mm. So he'd, like, introduce Stephen Toblowski to, to Bill Murray. And instead of saying hello, he's like, so what are you going to do in the scene then? And he runs through it, and then Bill Murray's like, yeah, you can do that. But now you've got to help me do this. And apparently they went to like a, a bakery and bought every single cake in the shop and was just handing it out to all the people watching them filming. So he's like this guy that's really angry and bitter yeah. in some respects. But then in other respects, he's like the kindest, most generous yeah, person. That's, that's apparently what, he went yeah. out giving $100 bills to people around Punxsutawney when he went to go and visit. Because sure. he went to Punxsutawney before the film to kind of see oh, what right. the whole Groundhog Day thing was about. This but is anyway, totally the thing about Bill Murray. I think it's also what he feels like on screen. He's like, he's an asshole who you kind of love. And I think okay. that's, that seems to be what he is in real life. So basically, they, on the set, as I said, they, they couldn't they couldn't talk to each other. So uh, Rami said, okay, we're going to get an assistant for Bill who will talk to me and then relay the messages back and forth, you know, like a go-between. Mm-hmm. And so Bill was like, okay, then, but I get to pick. He picked a deaf girl. <laughs> Just to be that fucking arsehole of just like, because he, he, he's what like an dick. anarchist, really, isn't he? Just kind of just wants to make life difficult for people. And, yeah. That poor and, girl. Uh, I know that she was the one who got, like, got the I'll brunt the of it. Quote. I'll read the quote in the book. Hang on. One person who probably didn't get a delicacy from Murray was Ramis. The affable director who converted to Buddhism, who wore the meditation beads, was having his Zen mindset severely tested by his one-time friend. In fact, communication between the two quickly broke down completely. He's raging, angry, and full of grief and unresolved emotions, Ramis reflected later in Murray. He's volcanic. Finally, the director was forced to make an official request for an assistant for Murray so that messages could be conveyed between the two. A young lady subsequently arrived on set, selected by Murray. There was one small hitch. She was deaf. To many people, it seems like a hilarious thing, says Albert. You insist on an anarchist that they find someone to help bridge the gap of communication. The next thing you know, they found someone who can't communicate to be the go-between. It's like an existential joke, but the victim of that joke was the young woman more than anyone else. She was in the middle of that thing and had no freaking idea what was going on. And it exacerbated the situation on set. You know, it was the every every man thing, fuck the man, but Harold and I weren't really the man. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. What book's that from? That's wild and crazy guys. Okay. So as I Sounds said, good. that's a book all about like the the SNL guys. So Dan Aykroyd, uh, John Belushi, uh, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Eddie Murphy, and the only one who wasn't in SNL was Steve Martin, and he's featured in it quite heavily. Okay. Steve Martin's an interesting case, but with him, I like Steve Martin a lot. I don't know if I like him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he was I think Parenthood. I like Steve Martin a lot. I'm just not totally sure I like any Steve Martin films. <laughs> Parenthood's amazing, man. Parenthood, Parenthood's I guess. So yeah, jerk. And it's the only, like, it's the only like John Ron Howard film that I would consider it, I think is fantastic. But oh. Ron Howard's a weird director. But I don't think that's down to him. No, necessarily. no, no. But back to what we're doing. So yeah, Groundhog Day. Back to just, Murray. Groundhog Day's huge. He's amazing in it. He really is amazing. It's an amazing film. Um, and... Because he falls out with Ramis at this point, this is when his career takes a change because he's the kind of guy that hitches his wagons to people and he doesn't yeah, have yeah. Ramis anymore. And he doesn't really have Reitman anymore, really, he, because of that. 
but he gets some because this is time of period where he's not um uh really communicating with studios either he gets offered a load of roles in this time period which i thought quite interesting to go through actually yeah he was was offered robert de niro's part in awakenings which i think is a really that would have been him and robin williams which would have been weird Um, oh god (laughs) he gets he gets offered denzel washington's part in philadelphia which that i can't imagine that especially because the story's really a lot about him being black but whatever um he gets offered Tom Hanks's part in Forrest Gump, which that would have been. Apparently, Chevy Chase reckons he was offered that part as well. Really? I don't believe that. Yeah. He gets offered. I can Dustin... see. I can I see can it. See... Yeah. Um, but Tom Hanks' career would be very different. I don't know if he would do the. If he would play it very sincere, I don't know. I don't know, I don't, especially this time period. I don't know. Yeah. He gets offered Dustin Hoffman's role in Rain Man. Um. Yeah. And he gets, you know, uh, he gets off of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Which character? The uh, Bob Hoskins role. Bob Hoskins. Oh. Yeah. Which... I can't see anyone else other than Bob Hoskins. Other than Bob Hoskins, yeah, yeah. Basically, this is this story is Robert Zemeckis was really keen to work with Bill Murray, and Bill Murray never did. <clears throat> um, but then he also, you know, Kindergarten Cop was written as a Bill Murray vehicle. Really? Yeah. And he just quit. Basically, he just left it. He, and he just seems like a guy though that likes to kind of almost cause a little bit of trouble. A little bit of mayhem. He yeah. likes. To, he's one. Of the, everyone's got one of those friends that just likes to be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think he's that guy that just likes to be awkward, or just he just kind of sings to his own beat, really, doesn't yeah. he? Just kind of does what he wants. Like and famously, the one thing we forgot famously, to mention was that he was in consideration for Batman, which sure. is insane. Which is insane. No, though, I'll say this again because I did say it to I you. Can I can see it. I can see it. I can see at least the casting agent go, because they're looking at Keaton. They were desperate to try and get a kind of comedic actor to do it because Burton wanted the energy. And I can see them yeah. considering Bill Murray. I'm not sure what Bill Murray would have looked like under the cowl, but <laughs> I can definitely consider. I can, I can see them considering like, it. He's grumpy, like. Like he's the way he puts his lips together, he's kind of got this kind of like frumpy kind of mm. I don't know, like frown kind of. I don't know. I can't picture it wearing a cowl. No, I can't he hasn't got Michael Keaton's lips. That's for sure. Like the he's never played a character lips. that's yeah. I don't know, but I, I I can see why they would have put him on a long list anyway. And quite famously, he they wanted him as Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story, and he just really? never got the message basically but that that was their first choice and by far that was like what they thought they were locked into getting Bill Murray for Buzz Lightyear speaking of this message thing like do you reckon it's true that he thought Ethan Cohen as in the Cohen brothers wrote Garfield and that's why he signed on to two Garfields or is that just again legend building and I think it's probably a bit of both it's probably a bit of both yeah I, I kind of I can I can see it, but then the practicalities around it are a bit weird. But you do have this energy with Bill Murray, which um, I think, is it Sophie Coppola says? That they didn't even know if he would turn up. Uh, he he's, he agreed to think, and then they didn't, like, they were, the first day of filming, they weren't actually sure if he would turn up at all. Same happened with Ghostbusters. He didn't. Turn, he wasn't there on the first day, or he was late to the first yeah. day, and they were like, we don't even know if he's going to turn up. So with that kind of energy, I can see... Like, maybe the Garfield story being kind of right. Do you know what I, I mean? kind of, I kind of picture him as well being like, he's almost like testing people. Like, 
a bit like, like Bruce Willis. I, I reckon if they greenlit Ghostbusters three without him back in the day, yeah, he would have shown up. I have a feeling he would have. He just wants to be that guy, just to be really difficult. And he's like poking the bear, going, "Do a day to do without me." And then when they like they dare to do without him, I bet you'd have shown up. I bet yeah, you. I bet because he he's not well. done a Ghostbusters film. He's been in all of them. Yeah, and he's exactly. he's being in, he's going to be in his fourth one now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I think there was a lot of person personal stuff around Ghostbusters three with him with like Reitman and Ramis, and I think that was probably the bigger thing for him. Yeah, um, that... I think he definitely fell out with Ramis. I don't think he likes him or Ramis. They obviously they became friends again but i think there's definitely some between ramis and him you mean reitman uh, reitman sorry. yeah 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 i agree um because um, he just stops working with him and that's when you get into what i would say is the third part of his career now which is these he's a bit of in the wilderness basically he does supporting roles and odd bits he's, he's like he's looking for someone to hitch his wagon on and the people yeah, he does so... hitch his wagon on and so We'll briefly go through this because we'd have to go back and talk about Quick Change, but he hitches his wagon to the director of Quick Change. Uh, well, the co-director of Quick Change, who is um, Howard Franklin. And Howard yeah. Franklin is the guy who directs Larger Than Life. He's the guy who writes um, The Man Who Knew Luke Too Little. Um, so he starts kind of just working with this guy through this time period. But also he's doing other stuff like Edward, which he's fucking amazing in. Like Kingpin as well, Kingpin, which I, yeah. I still think he's fantastic, and he retain like uh, Randy Quaid's in that as well. Yeah, 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 totally retains with Randy Quaid. Um, because of Kingpin, he does uh, Osmosis Jones as well. Uh, yes, that's that's a really weird film. That is. Like weird. He's uh, just for that period of time. Well, actually, it's two thousand one, so maybe it wasn't yeah. weird for him to to do that, but but um. You got these kind of just and Space Jam is famously he wasn't in the script and he just turned up because he wanted to work with Michael Jordan because he's a big Bulls fan. Um, <laughs> if that's right, I might have messed up all those sports teams. Oh, yeah, but, like, I believe it because he's isn't he playing golf with them? Um, yeah, and he, he just like, tur- like he just turns up and decides to be like this. His scenes are so weird in that film, kind of awesome because it's kind of the energy of of, of Bill Murray. <laughs> but but weirdly, isn't that produced or directed? by Reitman. God, I don't oh, he know. Produ- he produced it. He produced I, it. I swear there's something where they fell out or something. I, I was going to say, I can't pull the director of Face Jam from the top of my head. <laughs> Space Jam. Uh, Joe... Joe Pitka? Joe yeah. yeah. I, uh, I was chatting to someone the other day who reckons that Space Jam is better than um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I was oh, like, that's ridiculous. You're out of your that's mind. That's ridiculous. Space Jam is a bad film. Like I'm going on record right now. You're allowed to enjoy it. It's fine. People, I enjoy bad films that other people hate, but Space Jam's not. You can't... A film that you've got Michael Jordan as the lead, who can't even construct a sentence together and sound believable. Or you've got Bob Hoskins, who is a fantastic there's, actor. There's not it's enough like... of like anything in Space Jam. There's not enough of, of the cartoons. There's not enough of like Michael Jordan and the cartoons. It's, yeah, there's, it's... It's a weird not... film. Sure, it's fun, but... And that's, I like um, him. I like Bill Murray in it anyway. But yeah, you get these kind of films, Large and Life, Man Who Knew Too Little. And actually, I I rewatched both of those. The Man Who Knew Too Little, I think, is actually really quite quite good. It's solid. I enjoy it. I've, I've got it on VHS. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those films that would hang around on a VHS at some point and you would yeah, put yeah. on. Large it was Life, in like the... It's like three for five pounds yeah. selection or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's got Richard Wilson in, so that's good. Yeah, but, true. but I, I, yeah, the man in Utah is actually quite funny. Um, but 
this time period, I think what Bill Murray's doing is he's kind of lost his cool. He his movie star persona was all about him being cool and like a bit self-deprecating, a bit too cool. Would kind of insult other people in a loveling way on screen, but he yeah. loses that at this point. Um, expect like Kingpin, that's him playing that up. But I think he's struggling to know who he is as a kind of movie star at that point. Mm. And it doesn't really find anything until he finds other people to hitch his wagon on to, which is when he finds Wes Anderson in around 98 and does Rushmore, which, um, and Jim Jerush, like he'll do any Jim Jerush project. Yeah. And I think then that's what you come into the fourth period now where it's got critically acclaimed cult darling Bill Murray, really. And is it Jim Jarmusch or Jim Jarmusch? Jarmusch, that's me saying it badly, Jarmusch. yeah. yeah. Jim Jarmusch, <laughs> so it's like Coffee and Cigarettes or The De- Dead Don't Die and things like that. Or... I've heard that one's bad, I haven't seen that one. I've seen Coffee I've and Cigarettes. people who and, like um... Jim Jarmusch say it's good and I've heard people who don't like him not even understand why it's a film. So. <laughs> and broken... he, did, he did Broken Flowers as well, didn't he? Broken Flowers, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so like, but that gets kicked off by Lost in Translation, which um, is like 2003 really. And Have you seen the Oscars when um, he doesn't win? I've forgotten who win. Who was up against? It's a bad. It's Sean Penn for fucking. It, but you can see his uh, face. He's pissed that he hasn't yeah. won the Oscar. I am. Um, I'd love Lost in Translation. It might be top five film for me. Um, maybe higher. Maybe like. Wow. Um, and I watched it twice <laughs> in two days this week. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Like the last time I. <laughs> this was when back when you were at uni i remember we were very very drunk in fact i don't remember i just know that i woke <laughs> up the next day with an email saying you have bought three films from a, an american <laughs> dvd site and one of them was lost in translation i was like i don't remember that and like because was they that were, like, me getting drunk ones. and like ranting about how much i love yeah, this film <laughs> because they were import ones it was like double the price of it would be for it was like fucking i've just spent loads of my student loan on these dvds but um, it was fantastic film though i love it and i think it's the lost in translation for me is a culmination of bill murray um in as like this romantic lead and when i used to watch lost in translation i would focus kind of a lot on um uh, scarlett Hansen in it who is just adorable and beautiful oh, yeah. in the film and because it, i think the way it's shot because it's shot by a woman she's it's got a different gaze to that film um the opening shot is of her as a bum yeah i know yeah <laughs> but it's it's weird that there's such a there's a I, no, whatever i can't talk about lost but it's, it's not it, it's like, weird even though the camera is lingering on her it's not like a look at my ass it's, no it it's isn't it's, it's just it's just yeah it's I know it's that mean. yeah i i have difficulty talking about gaze in how it feels but you you feel it when you're watching the film differently yeah um and what that film does i think is really remarkable about bill murray is it casts him as this romantic lead but you because he's depressed it's kind of hidden on screen and i watched it twice because i watched it again because i really wanted to watch bill murray in it and he's doing all the kind of bill murray romantic stuff that you see in like ghostbusters you see in like um, groundhog day that kind of suave undercurrent a bit kind of punchy a bit kind of really charming when he needs to be um like letting out that little bit of um like romance to him and you believe that these people would fall for each other in this situation um and you believe that this all works together and i think bill murray absolutely should have got the oscar that year and i think it's a remarkable performance from him that showed something that he he has struggled to show 
kind of through the whole 90s basically do you think he's kind of playing a version of himself though in it though yeah so it's, definitely yeah. he's a washed up movie actor at that point you can argue that he felt washed up like yeah um, I mean, he wasn't necessarily. I mean, he, he was in big films. He was in Charlie's Angels as well. He was in. Yeah, um, but all this is him things. losing his cool, though. I think that's what I mean by washed up. It's yeah. the Charlie's Angels stuff like that wasn't stuff he wants to do. He was just like the Garfield stuff and things with his paychecks, you know? And yeah. I think he probably did feel that going into Lost in Translation that, that you know, I can't speak for Bill Murray, but it, I, I feel that on screen and I feel that's why that film really works because they found someone who was almost feeling what this character was going through perhaps right um and then yeah because of that because of rushmore as well which is before lost in translation and royal tenenbaums which i think is the year before lost in translation then you just get this kind of bombardment of um him working with wes anderson uh, which really yeah. does define him for the rest of his career and then stuff like zombieland where zombieland is them using the the kind of legend of bill murray the the way he's become this cult darling, they put him in a film to be that cult. Oh yeah, icon. yeah, yeah. And he 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 starts getting this very meta text to him in films as well, and that works for him very very well. And and now we're still have you doing. Seen... Sorry, go on. No, go. On. I was going to say, have you seen Zombieland two? Because apparently he's in that as well. No, I haven't seen it. No, he and I think it, Dan Aykroyd's in it as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The um, I. Last one I because I haven't actually watched Isle of Dogs, so I know he's in that. Have you not seen that one? I thought that's fantastic. I've heard it's good. I just, um, for some reason, I just haven't got around to watching it. But um, uh, yeah, he's, he's in the latest one as well, which is the French, French Dispatch. Dispatch. Yeah, I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. And uh, I was uh, going to say right at the beginning, having we bashed through him's kind of like um, his career, but like it's arguably Bill Murray's in kind of maybe three of my top films, like top maybe top five films and and that he's so the only actor that can do that like ghostbusters yeah uh lost in translation and um life aquatic and i know so, yeah, we, we were talking about that the other day and because i i didn't realize people really don't like yeah. it and put it at the bottom of their wes anderson list <laughs> really i find do. that baffling it's so good it's a film so that works good. for me and i, I kind of get why other it doesn't work for other people but that film <laughs> works for me on a level that for some reason it it just sings to me like the, the, the well, entire I mean, it, way that's done it, like. it's got one of my favorite things you know, i love it when films mix live action with yeah. animation i'm not talking about cgi animation i'm talking it's about the stop like, motion yeah it, like it's just a texture that i love and it's not it's a thing that a lot of people don't like because i think they're so used to seeing like um photorealistic kind of yeah. effects and stuff like that which is criticisms i have against my music videos where people say I didn't like it because it didn't look realistic. I'm like, uh, well, that wasn't my intention. See, yeah, <laughs> I abs- I'm with you. I love, I love how that film doesn't feel like it's in the real world. It feels like it's in a in a kind of cartoony world. Yeah, it's a um, movie world, isn't it? And that's uh, that's what appeals to me like so much that it lives in this like other kind of universe yeah. and stuff. Um, I like. I mean, I just look. I, I don't think I've seen a bad Wes Anderson film really. No. Like, if you don't like They're him, all... you're not going to like any of his films, though. Yeah. So I get it, but yeah, I mean, I love Wes Anderson. I, he's definitely gotten more and more to the point where his actors are pretty much his stop motion characters. In the fact that they're very, like <laughs> very you know, posed. like how animation has to be well thought out and executed precisely. Yeah. 
he's like the performance he gets from his actors are pretty much that now like if you watch um is it ralph fines in um grand budapest, budapest hotel he yeah. is like an animated character in that. yeah yeah, but yeah he's fantastic Not he's wonderful and budapest is 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 just like faultless i love that film and like he managed to get an amazing performance out of bruce willis and he's like yeah moonlight kingdom wonderful yeah. Well, again, we've talked about Bruce Willis before. He's another guy that tests directors, and oh yeah, he's very kind of very similar in that respect. Yeah, and but like when when things, when Bruce Willis is doing it right, he's so good. <laughs> like yeah. he's like so effortlessly good, and when he just doesn't give a shit, he's so terrible. Like just there's no <laughs> middle ground with Bruce Willis. Yeah, I wouldn't say that with Bill Murray. Like I don't think I've ever seen a a film with Bill Murray and I thought he's phoning it in or he's sure he's, he's not putting his effort in do you know what i mean he like he, even if he's in a bad film which to be honest he's very rarely in a really bad film there's he's a been few in very films. yeah there's a few i've skipped over when i was trying to bash through but like like, like the get low well how like good was he in that film he's really good in get low he absolutely is yeah. he's really good in saint vincent as well yeah um which and i don't know rock the cast was meant to be awful that's uh but like uh What's that one? And oh yeah, Hyde Park on the Hudson when he's playing Roosevelt, another kind of very weird. Uh, that I've seen that. It's a bit. It's just a bit new. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy period Bill Murray playing a real person. But he's still like, good in it, though. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. He's still but I haven't seen them. So. But yeah, um, yeah, Mr. Bill Murray. I've got anything else to add, really? Like, I mean, like. You know, as a child, he was my hero. Like, Dr. Yeah. Peter Vagman was my... I've got at least... I was just counting them. I've got at least 10 action figures of Bill Murray in my <laughs> office. Right Are now, they all vague? With another, t- with another two on the way, yeah. They're either in Lego form or statue form or action figure form. I've got <laughs> many effigies of Bill Murray around my, my Actually, office. saying that, I, I wore my Bill Murray T-shirt as well. I've got my Steve Zissou T-shirt on. So, like... Yeah, so have I. <laughs> Hey, we bought, we bought the not, same. We're not on camera today, day. so we can't see. I've got a um, another Bill Murray T-shirt that I love that says "Merry Christmas" with this wicked oh, artwork. There's this yeah. artist I like, and it's got a wicked uh, design. Did you know he's got a burger joint, which he co-owns with his brothers, and it's like no. they're based on the um, Caddyshack movies. Oh, okay. And what, I don't uh, know if it's the name of the business or if the slogan, but it's "Eat, Drink, and Be Murray." <laughs> <laughs> I, wanna... I want them to have like you know like you have street food vendors i want to hang out like, with brian doyle murray i want i want them to have one of their vendors there with uh the wall burgers next to it. <laughs> yes oh there should be a like a like a tv show a rival chain. yeah <laughs> that, that would be a great kind of fly on the wall documentary apparently he's quite tall which i've never kind of got that from bill murray looking at him Apparently he's like almost six five. Uh, okay, I can kind of. But see I've that never a really bit. thought of it because he looks so schlubbish in all of his films, and he's kind of like hunched over. Yeah, for kind of like his. They do put him next to a lot of um, quite tall actresses as well. Yeah, like Sigourney like Weaver, Sigourney Weaver, Annie McDowell, like Gina Davis. Um, yeah. So maybe that's why as well. But I guess that's good casting. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, quick change then. Yeah. So um, today, yeah, we'll cover quick change. Let's make a commitment. Let's not be like every other couple on the IRT. 
Will you rob a bank with me? I will, Grim. I will. Hey! I got three more minutes! We're closed, bozo. Let's not mess with me today. What the hell kind of clown are you? The client on the inside kind, I guess. <sighs> Fill this up with regular, please. This is our perpetrator. Every kind, every build, red nose, blue hair. It was the perfect crime. Nice. Now, all they need to do is get to the airport. Did we miss the expressway? Getting farther away every second. By car. Oh, we're really making progress now. I saw a sign, Phyllis. Three of them out there, shouting with glee. Taxi! By cab. Airport. Look! Huh? Great. And what did you take us straight to Sing Sing? There's a real camera! Stop! Taxi! By foot. Ah! By bus. You go to the airport? Near the airport. That is an exact change. You better get some help. You're becoming Ralph Cramden's evil twin. By midnight. Bill Murray. Right, can we just calm down a little, please? Gina Davis. Oh, well, we'll never make the flight. We'll have to sail a raft to Fiji like Thor hired all. Please, God! Randy Quaid. We need a cab! One loud freaking cab! Jason Robards. So easy getting in. No way out. In a major oh. metropolitan comedy. Ah! Quick change. Was that our plane? No, no. If it were our plane, it'd be crashing. God, I hate this town. So, um, Quick Change, directed 1990, co-directed by Bill Murray, Howard Franklin. We said that already. Uh, it's a, it's a small movie, like a small plot. Basically, a clown um, robs a bank, and then the rest of the film is them trying to get out of New York to to win. Yeah, that's actually really. It. <laughs> um, it's uh it's equally based on a book and a film. Yeah, is it a French Canadian film? Yeah, called Hold Up. Yeah. Uh, it's from nineteen eighty five, and the book is called Quick 82 Change. Eighty two or something like that. Yeah, the book was about like um nineteen eighty two or something like that. So, uh, the quick turnarounds on the remake. But um, thoughts. Should we go into the plot? Or? Um, yeah, well, I mean, my overall thoughts, like, I wouldn't say... I think I have... I'd have said I've at least seen half of this film Okay. in the past, but and it was so long ago that all I remember is that he dressed up as a clown at the beginning, and I couldn't remember anything else about it. I mean, the poster is of him dressed up as a clown. Yep. But the one thing you mentioned at the very beginning of the episode was I was going to be like... It's set like late 80s, early 90s or whatever, and he's a clown on a subway in New York. <laughs> you, yeah. you can't help but not think Joker really can. I immediately all, thought but... I, I immediately thought Joker when the film opened. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's that old New York before kind yeah. of Disney took it over and kind of sterilized yeah, yeah. everything. <laughs> and that, you know, there's porn it's shops that, everywhere. Yeah, the old like dirty that. New York. It's the New York that I always saw in films. Yeah. And um, um, I always think New York still is this kind of like dirty place and things and uh, actually I mean, one of my favorite things about the film is about the fact that they really hate new york it's a new york film that they hate new york because normally yeah, like, every new york film is like new york's the best yeah i was like, looking at the imdb trivia and he was like every new yorker is gonna love this film because it's all set here but i'm like 
Well, yeah, but you spend the whole of the film trying to get out of it, and you go to all the flipping slums of New York. <laughs> they basically insult the film constantly. They, yeah. I think you probably would like it. That I think that bullshit that they sell you in like Ghostbusters films or like Spider-Man films and stuff like that, when it's all like you know, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, and, and bullshit <laughs> and stuff. It's it, I doubt would be the real feelings of people in new york yeah <laughs> like, but also ghostbusters they just stay in that little manhattan area they don't really go yeah. outside of it's not like they're going to the bronx or whatever or outside because they they're trying to cross the bridge aren't they anyway yeah. but but in my overall thoughts of the film were i it's okay yeah i like it. i don't think it's great but i don't think it's bad and i enjoyed watching it i don't yeah, take back good. my time watching i would say and i know, always enjoy watching solid. bill murray and gina davis and yeah i've forgotten the name of the guy but he's the uh, police chief oh it's jason robards as the chief and yeah. he's the he's the patriarch in um parenthood and i've, I've always um, liked sure. him yeah robards is great he's a he, he collaborates with um jonathan demi quite a bit so right uh um, and uh he's in um oh is it uh trading places Yes, robots in. Yeah, yeah. He's really and, good at this, um, and I think Randy I mean, Quaid really good in this. Yeah, but he's playing every other Randy Quaid character. He's the same uh, character he is in Independence Day, yeah. in the National Lampoon's uh, Vacation movies. The Randy Quaid in real life, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking when watching it because I know Randy Quaid, he went a bit mad. Um, yes, just a bit, just a smidge, just a bit. I hope he's okay. I don't like to see that happen. He seems to have legitimate mental illness problems. Well, I've, I've, can I just? Apparently, I don't know if this is true or anything, but they say that psychosis can you can kind of, I don't know if this is the right term, but you can kind of catch it's, it or kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. And apparently, the the woman he was with is very it was incredibly psychotic and had kind of a lot of problems, and he kind of they they alleged that it kind of that's where it came from or huh. something i don't know i mean i'm okay. not a doctor and no no well i don't that's why i won't i won't go into any detail because i don't want to get yeah. anything wrong but like uh I, I i was watching this and i thought i was thinking about randy Quaid a lot because i because i watched kingpin as well re- like yesterday um he's really good he's really yeah. good like, he's really th- good yeah. at just on screen and watchable and i actually do really like him I love how that they kind of in this film that they're contemporaries in age and whatever, and then in Kingpin they keep calling him the kid. The kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously that's the joke that he's yeah. a, a forty-year-old guy who <laughs> it just doesn't know anything about the world, so he's the kid. <laughs> I I liked Kingpin when I rewatched it. It's there's a few things you could go, you could take an edit to it now and make it a little better because there's some things very nineties kind of comedy about it. Um, oh, but which, you could say the same about this film as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of enjoy Kingpin, and you know what I forgot about Kingpin is he has like a legitimate heart to it, which oh, I was like, yeah. which actually the early works. Farrelly Brothers films did. Yeah, I they did. Yeah, that, that like something that Mary kind of, does as well. Yeah, but then it kind of, I don't know. They either went too sentimental, but didn't quite get it in the right. They didn't quite. It was sentimental, but without Mis- the heart. Misguided. Yeah, and then he made Green like, Book, and everyone agrees that Green Book is a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck's sake. laughs> Ugh. anyway anyway we're um, not even talking about that quick change <laughs> what did you think of it then 
Uh, yeah, I would say the same. As a comedy, I'd say it was solid. Like, I can imagine um, if I if I discovered this in the 90s, it would be kind of going on all the time on my VHS player. Like, you know, Fletch this and stuff like that. Would yeah, be it's filled on. with lots of cameos from people that you Yeah, I've, my main notes are like, oh my God, Phil Hartman. <laughs> like, yeah, um, and then Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. With hair. I was gonna, this is our first well, Touch of the Tooch. Yeah, it is Touch of the Tooch. <laughs> I want that on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I was quite happy about on that. The front I love it. The front is without with hair and the back is with hair or something. <laughs> Touch of the Tooch. I loved him in this. This is very non Sunny Tooch. It's very before they obviously were just looking for an Italian actor. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he's really I thought he was really funny as that kind of weaselly mob guy. Yeah, he's a bit like um I'll tell you who he reminded me of. Uh, one of the Fratelli brothers, you know, um Oh, what's his name? He's also bold in real life. Who are the Fratelli brothers? You are. Fratelli brothers from Goonies. Oh, okay. I was. Th- I thought you meant the brothers from Ghostbusters 2 and I couldn't remember. Oh, no. Are they called the Fratelli brothers? <laughs> what no, are they called? called? Oh, you- I'm going to have to Google it now because otherwise it's I'm the... going to... I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm <laughs> like... Scalari. Scalari brothers. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Scalari brothers. <laughs> um, yeah, so... <laughs> So the plot of this film, it starts off with Bill Murray dressed up as a clown and he holds up a bank. Yeah. Good scene, like the, him, him carrying the balloons through town and yeah, um, like yeah. squeezing and you, out of the You kind subway. of go past some landmarks of New York, some of which I was like, hey, I've walked on that street. I've been there. <laughs> Back to fun. another segment in our show. <laughs> yeah, where's Ollie been? <laughs> on his tour I think it's New more York. like, where's Liam been? You've been more places than I have. But, yeah, um... I, I, we keep covering New York films, so you just keep like <laughs> talking about it. I've never been to New York. <laughs> um, yeah, so then he holds up a bank. There's two people, especially in the bank, that you can kind of, they stick out. One, because you know it's Gina Davis and you know it's Randy Quaid. You know what? I but didn't then... know it was Randy Quaid. Oh, how did you not know I with his know. fake beard? I and... don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Not even when he was, like, screaming, like, get me no, out. <laughs> I didn't, didn't realise it was Randy Quaid until they meet by the phone. And I was like, I mean, you... oh, fuck, that was Randy Quaid. How didn't I realise that was Randy Quaid? <laughs> I mean, you know it's Gina Davis. Yeah. She's about eight foot Gina. tall. Yeah. And... I, I assumed, basically, I ignored that character, the Randy Quaid character. I forgot he existed. He went out the film. And then I just assumed it was a two-piece, like, Gina Davis and Bill Murray were robbing the place. Right. And uh it wasn't until then they appeared at the phone. I was like, Oh, they oh oh, this is when Randy Quaid comes into it. Oh shit, he was in the fuck I'm an idiot. <laughs> so yeah, Bill Murray takes all the people hostage, locks them up in the uh I don't know, the vault, I guess. I don't know, yeah. whatever. Um but then, you know, as you know, the police then say, What are your demands? And he goes, I want a monster truck, I want yeah, a motorbike, want a helicopter, stuff. and all this kind of stuff. They bring I, a monster truck, which I thought was quite funny. I loved the bomb. I loved how like the bomb looks so excessive on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bomb looks excessive. I love the fact though that everyone's cheering the police officer when he steps out of the um monster truck. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love the um hot dog guy coming in to take advantage of, of the crowd. <laughs> and he's like, that's one bit. Dogs. I love that bit though, where they're all like loading up their guns, and then it cuts to the hot dog. Then yeah, it like, cuts to mustard on the hot dog. Yeah, <laughs> I was really laughing at that. And um, I love I loved Bill Murray on the phone at this bit because you I, you don't ever see Bill Murray as kind of he's always the hero really. Um, but he's still he's the hero in this. Yeah, he is. But at the beginning he's not like, and because at the beginning he's and I loved him like 
he has a go at the guy at the bar for watching double negatives. And um, yeah, but he's still a likable criminal, though. Yeah, isn't he? yeah, he's, he is, he's yeah. still kind of rooting to get for him to get out. Yeah, you are. Definitely. And you're like, you're like wondering how he's going to get out. And basically, so he's got all these demands for like all this stuff. This is one thing I was going to say as well. Um, if if you had demands, would they bring all this stuff to you? Like, I don't understand how. Like, you're meant to. You're going to get out of the the bank. Surely you're going to get arrested straight away anyway. So even well, if there is a monster truck there in a helicopter, there's only one way to find out, Ollie. We'll um, <laughs> rob a bank. We'll rob a bank and demand a jet or something. <laughs> jet <laughs> or jet skis. One of those jet skis. <laughs> we can escape. Put down it in the, the Plantsbrook pool. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, uh, the Plantsbrook pool is like a little stream in certain Colford where we live. Well, where I live, and it's about I don't know about an inch deep. Well, I, I like how I said the seven because it's by me, and you said thanks, Brook Paul. But like, uh, so yeah. Anyway, it was. I think that I was getting for me because I probably because I watched it last week. It was a very kind of um, dog day afternoon kind of vibe to it. Right. Um, okay. So with him making demands kind of and the crowd space. kind of turning on the police a little bit. Right. So I thought they were echoing that. I thought, well, I don't know. Okay. But, so, um, they, they so yeah, so he's got these demands. Them. And he's got to release hostages. So he releases yeah. one, and it's a guy who's kind of screaming, saying like, he's, he's, he's vomiting and screaming, isn't he? Yeah. And then, and then he sets free another two um, hostages. Uh, one is Gina Davis, and yeah. one is a ginger guy who looks very much like Bill Murray, and who we haven't seen escaped. before in the vault. So this is a mystery. <laughs> yeah. I loved the. Um, um, I loved when he was on the phone to the police officer. By the way, he goes, um, "I've got to hang up now, as I've got to kill everybody," <laughs> which I just thought was such a Bill Murray line. And he, um, I loved the uh, the um, the yuppie hostage, Jack Gilpin, the actor played him. Oh, with the watch. Yeah, with the watch. Yeah, I thought that was really. At crappy. the end, he goes, "Have you seen a watch out there?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he goes, um, oh, what is he? he says later on when when he, they get robbed, he tries to give him the watch. And Bill Murray goes, it's really good. It's got a moon on it. And that really, <laughs> yeah, really that made, made me laugh. laugh. Well, I like how Bill Murray works it in that um, he gets information from the police officer about how he could escape. He goes, well, we know how you'd escape out of the bank. You'd go out this entrance. And then, then Bill Murray quickly goes, oh, well, I put a bomb there. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, you yeah, see yeah. the team scaling down. He's like, whoo, whoo, no. like when the when the police scale down the building, all the crowd boo. It really made yeah. me laugh. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, he escapes in disguise with Gina Davis, um, and they meet with Randy Quaid. Yeah, and then then you find out that that Gina Davis and Bill Murray are like in a relationship. Yeah, and Randy Quaid is just like their moronic friend, I guess. That <laughs> kind of is just yeah. a bit of an idiot. Because yeah, you have child. to bring a moronic person over for a bank robbery. Yes, that's, that's the rules. <laughs> and <laughs> so he honks the horn in the car that kind of signals. Yeah, they're on the phone to the Jason bank. Robots and they honk the horn. Yeah, and they make the police realise he's no longer in the bank, and then it becomes yeah. a big chase throughout the city. But it's kind of good because it's um, it's it's commenting, even though it's not a heavy commentary film, but it's commenting on like the the fact that it's not really about solving crimes because New York's a mess. It's about um this guy's career as the police off chief. And he's just really, they're just concerned about how he reads in the press. Yeah, because he's like a hero cop, isn't he, really? Yeah. And they're like, you know, that we can't have the headlines that a clown robs a bank and then gets away. Like, Well, skip to the end. They kind of yeah, they, they invite up. the press, don't they, to the, to the airport? Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. And that's what I did. I liked, There's a there was a bit where 
both Jason Robots and Bill Murray were looking at theatres that are being converted into housing and both of them are getting really, uh, they were both mad at like what's happening to the city and how the yeah. redevelopment's destroying it. So it was a really weird, it's a film about how New York is not good at this time and and the corruption of the and the money in it has, has ruined New York, which... Well, so, really so we're led to believe that Bill Murray is just a stand-up citizen before this, and he yeah. works in like what real not real estate, but he or planning or something like it that. Was something like that, yeah, I can't remember. And um, but obviously he becomes disillusioned with it and just wants to leave and set, like move to another country, I guess. Yep, uh, another appearance um, of Fiji in a film. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just wish you kind of saw a bit more of that. Or sure, <clears throat> I mean, I quite like how it opens though with him on the subway as the yeah, clown. It's like just a cold open or whatever. I said it's got a little bit. It's got a little type of like SNL film quality to it. Um, yeah, in the I'd fact say, that, that it's quite bottled. Um, at, but it's got a lot of multiple characters, and all costumes, and you move through the kind of film meeting these new characters really. I don't know at the time if any of them, apart from Phil Hartman, would have been a a recognisable name. But now, because you go like Phil Hartman, and then you go um, Tony Shalhoub, and then you go Stanley Tucci, and then you go Kurtwood oh, Swift. Yeah. Tony Shalhoub. It's a uh, it. D- watching it now, it feels like oh, all these famous people are in this film. But I doubt yeah, but at the time, it was at the like... time they were just like character actors. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're trying to escape the city. And they're trying to get to the bridge. And I do like that though, where they're driving around and they're asking the construction workers oh, who have it. just taken a sign down. Yeah, and they're really which way the two bridges, and they're like, <laughs> I don't know which way it was because they pick up the sign. Like, well, it could be pointing left, could be pointing right. We don't know. Yeah, which and way then, was it facing when he took it down? I don't know. <laughs> then they kind of end up like in Hell's Kitchen or like kind of like the back streets of Manhattan or whatever when they're trying to get off, and they find these two guys who are jousting. Yes. Which yes. proper made me laugh. And yeah, like, that was he used to assume the one guy kills the other guy. Yeah. And like Randy Craig goes, Well, um, oh, what's the line? I should have written it down. Observing something like that is a really is a really bad karma or something. Or yeah, something it's like just that. general bad <laughs> karma. That's really weird that scene is. There's a cut there's another scene later on with the lady selling flowers for the dead. And she's just standing on the corner of the street, like like selling these flowers for dead, and they're all like, "Well, that's not ominous at all." <laughs> it's got this weird kind of odd feeling to it. They they ask directions from a a guy who's too friendly to be a New Yorker, and they say he's either not a New Yorker or he's a serial killer, and uh, <laughs> and then he's got Iowa plates, so they're like, "Oh, okay, that's what everyone in Iowa is like, really nice and friendly." And then when Bill Murray's talking to him, he's like, "Oh no, I stole this car." And then he just cuts to the cuts Gina Davis and Randy Quaid in the van and he's in the car still. And then this guy's just got Bill Murray at gunpoint, and he yeah, but he gets them. his wallet and all that's in the wallet um, is four dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, and that's what Bill Murray yells at him because he goes, "Um, ah, oh, you left, you left your million here or something." Well, yeah, because they're the the what? Because I was wondering where have they put this money. And then when they get to this apartment, you find out that it's tapes. They've strapped it to themselves. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's because he robs their clothes basically. So they want to change out the clothes they left the bank in. So they go back to Gina Davis's apartment to change. Um, Gina Davis had meant to have moved. At, no, Gina Davis had sold the apartment, but the current tenants hadn't meant to have moved in yet. See, that's what but, was confusing me. I didn't understand what was going on there. But. So basically, Phil Hartman had moved in early, is what they were saying. So they're right. in Gina Davis's apartment, which she sold, but um, 
he turns up and he thinks they're robbing the place and he and he holds them up at gunpoint at which point a, a fire is going off and they've parked near a hydrant and the fire yeah. and, and the fire service accidentally in trying to move their car out of the way just send it careening down the street and ruin and crashes it like wipes it off it's weird i was really excited to see phil hartman but he his role wasn't that funny yeah, it wasn't like a laugh out like loud a... Phil Hartman, yeah. and it was a very short, very short, it was like yeah, a very short part. Um, so, which bits after that is it? They're trying to get they get the taxi. Yeah, so then they they try and hail a cab, and they end up finding Tony Shalhoub, um, in one of many, many, many immigrant roles of Tony Shalhoub's career. Yeah, where he plays a taxi driver. <laughs> yeah. like, I find it weird that you'd get in a taxi and not say where you want to go straight away. They're sitting in the taxi for a good two minutes before he goes, "Where do you want to go?" And I, oh. The airport. I don't know. <laughs> I like, don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but like, but yeah. So he he's obviously not English. Well, not American. Not an English speaker. Yeah, doesn't speaking know Arabic, where he's so. taking them. Yeah, and uh, for some reason, yeah, he just doesn't know where they're taking him at any point. Uh, they get uh, Randy Quaid panics and runs jumps out, out of the moving jumps car. out the moving cab and runs into like a what they called a newsstand. And yeah, it's just are... like those little kind of news yeah. agents, but they're like a little kiosk outside. Yeah, of... yeah. And they um they think he's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> but then the police are like obviously trying to find who are the because this, at this point I think they've clocked on that the the three people that they let out first were the bank robbers. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they have. So they? now they're looking yeah. for three people together. Two, yeah, looking two for two men guys and, and a girl. And so they get a place. report that there's two men and a woman who got out of a cab like i don't know how that's to me sounded very far-fetched how they'd find yeah yeah sure okay i don't know i don't know because it's good it's them it's gotta be them uh yeah he says like yeah a guy jumping out of a moving cab that's panic and um yeah and that's that's the type of panic that someone having they just robbed a bank or something like that um so i really like this stretch of the film though um, I like where all the crowd is uh, is is building up around them, and they're trying yeah, to get yeah, away. Yeah. Randy Craig can no longer walk, um, and they they notice well, the, the police, the police turn come. up. Yeah, and then they go and hide in. A, yeah, a building they notice the police turn up, so they hide from him. So Tony Shalhoub don't identify them, and they accidentally jump in on some mops. So I'm like a mafia outfit laundering money or something. I don't know. Um, and then Bill Murray does his typical Bill Murray cool yeah. guy, kind of like blags his way out of it. Blags his way out of it, but tends to be like the new bagman for the yeah. bigger mob boss. Who he gets six thousand dollars? <laughs> gets six thousand dollars. Yeah, talks himself into it. Um, this is the first. This is the introduction of this mafia story now, which Jason Robards, the cop, has been chasing a huge mafia boss called Lombino. And Bill Murray pretends to be working for Vince Lombido. And they talk about how this guy is like, you know, gouged eyeballs out and things like that. Um, they leave the mafia place, having pretended to be Lombino's bagman, see the bus, try and get on the bus. And the bus driver won't let him on <laughs> without exactly. Yeah, he's change. the most anal bus driver ever. I thought he's he's played by um Philip Bosco, which is a bit of a you know kind of a seasoned character actor. I thought he was really good in this role. No, yeah, 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 he was very good. Um, and I and like it when he goes into the news agents and like the woman's I like taking that ages scene and the woman own. is taking forever. And um, there's a bit where she's 
asking for like decaf coffee and and bill murray's just staring behind it like staring absolute daggers into her soul <laughs> yeah but he's her. trying obviously not to be too obvious yeah because the cops are behind him cop and, behind him and he's and, and like, like when he's packing the bag as well the, keeps coming back to the coach driver who's counting down counting down yeah he's got 20 (laughs) seconds left he won't make it um yeah and he's packing the bags and he gets the change but the change spills everywhere and he's picking all the change (laughs) up the floor and uh but they managed to run on just just as as you as you managed to run through this the the um cab driver spots bill murray and tells the police that was the guy that was in my cab but at the same time, the actual bagman for the mob boss turns up, and <laughs> yeah. and Tooch tells him that that's the guy who was, you know, pretending to be the the bagman. So the the Mario, the bagman, runs to the bus to uh, stop um, Bill Murray, but the cops run thinking that the cab driver has identified the bagman, and they arrest him and they get away on the bus then. Did I summarize yeah. that? Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. No, you did. You did a good job of that. So yeah, um, they're on the bus for a while, and then there's yeah. another guy who tries to get on the bus. I do like that guy who tries to get on the bus with the guitar on his back. Yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. Keeps walking liked... forwards, but keeps getting obstructed by his guitar, and doesn't realize, you know, if you just just turn. Would. I like how <laughs> that's the that's one of the bits about the film when they talk about how much they hate New York, and they give the um, the guy with the guitar six k. They give him the ma- mafia money. And I like yeah. that Bill Murray says, "Look, I know how this city degrades the individual. Like, take well, it's this. a bit of a Robin Hood moment, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a save the cat. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we didn't say throughout all this, Gina Davis has been very angry at Bill Murray. She keeps yelling oh, yeah. at him about his hubris and keeps yelling at, um, about how you, you know, you're such a big bank robber now that you don't even notice us. And she's trying to suggest that she's trying to tell him that she's pregnant. Yeah. Um, not, I think she could just say it, but like... <laughs> well, she tells it to uh, Randy yeah, Randy Quaid. Quaid knows. Yeah, because Randy Quaid keeps saying stuff like, you know, in her condition and stuff. Yeah, like that. I was like, what do you mean in her condition? And Bill Murray doesn't pick up on it, but um, <clears throat> they they get dropped off. Is it four miles from the uh, the airport? I think the bus driver. Yeah, I was going to say from the point that they're at the, I'm sure the apartment when they're getting changed, they've got forty minutes to get to the airport. Yeah, Is they. Correct? Yeah, yeah. It's the longest forty minutes ever. I don't like think they're the, the same things plane. that happen. I think I don't think they. I think they accept they're just going to jump on whatever plane is there. Oh, okay. Which you could do in the nineties, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that um, they're talking about how to get the money through, and they say like, "Why don't we just put it in some luggage?" And Bill Murray's like, "Oh no, you know they have X-ray machines now, so we can't do that." And uh, he moans that about the terrorists having ruined, like, the ability for bank robbers to get away on planes. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, oh, you don't know what's coming, 1990, Bill yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, <laughs> and uh, yes, what, God, where are we? Yeah, so they drop off in the middle of absolute nowhere. And that's when they all start trying to attack each other and they're all getting angry. And they see the woman selling flowers and they're trying to make it to the airport. And Randy Quaid can't walk. And then out of like the shadows comes one of those little luggage carriers for JFK. Yeah, they start sitting in the back of them. We're all yeah, and they all just there. jump on that and get like a little journey to the airport. And that's when they're t- like she reveals she's pregnant or Bill Murray works and out. And says she's not going to get on the plane with them. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, at that point, the cops have picked up on the fact that they're on a bus 
uh, I did like the scene where Jason Robot's having a go at the cop because they, they're torturing the cab driver. And he's like, I said, get an interpreter. And he said, oh, I thought you meant get an interrogator. interrogator. <laughs> and like, I like how they keep saying about Bill Murray says it as well, like about the cab driver. They're, they're both like, he's probably come to this country from some horrible place. And now you're torturing him. And he's, he's trying to be a good working man. And, and they don't even know what language he speaks or something. But they managed to translate that he's he's saying that he's on a bus and they start stopping all the buses. Um, then it gets a little confusing for me. But <laughs> the well, so Randy Quaid is like, I've got to get this money off me. I can't have it on me anymore. So they they go to the toilet, don't they? Mm-hmm. And then they they obviously take off all the cash. And then there's that awkward kind of like bit where there's a they're kind of obviously making fumbling noises and he's like screaming in the toilet and you can see two le- like two pairs of legs and then there's a guy in very, the washing tank going, oh what's what's this going on in here i, I don't want to be a part of this is disgusting i did like what you guys like you oh, you you can have this town another yeah. kind of like, <laughs> like shitting yeah. on new york town um then the cops are at the airport so and but it's revealed that the mob boss lumbino is also at the airport. Is who is it who plays? It's the guy it's from Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, it's the guy from Robocop. Yeah. Yes. What no, yeah, Robocop yeah, yeah. one or two. Yeah, one, the villain from Robocop one, isn't yeah. it? And he's also isn't he in like he was in a sitcom for years. Was it sixties show? Yeah, I think so. Um but yeah, very another character actor that you've seen in a hundred things. Um he's pretending to be a guy called Russ Crane, but he's he's clearly quite of a he's a mob boss <laughs> like, yeah um at that point you don't know this but the bagman has kind of flipped on the mob boss and you think the police are there still chasing after the bank robbers but they're not they've, they've come to chase after the mob boss um and they get on the plane and they're sitting behind the mob boss and gina davis isn't there so Bill Murray decides he's going to get off the plane to go be with Gina Davis rather than fly away and Randy Quaid has to go on his own. But at that point, um, the chief, Watsinger, boards the plane and Bill Murray realises that they're here to go after Lombino and not him. So he joins yeah. in with the arrest and helps them they're arrest help the mob them, boss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then when, he t- when they tackle the mob boss to the floor, Gina Davis comes out and Bill Murray's on the floor as well. She thinks, oh, they've caught Bill Murray. She holds her hands up and he's like, no, no, no. Yeah, he's like, no, we and just then... we we just helped to arrest this mob boss or something. Well, um, I like how the, the woman uses the bag, I think, to kind of hit, yeah, he, to try yeah, to hit the police. Yeah, she's hitting him with then... the bag with the money and Randy Quaid's trying to get the bag off her. So he sees the money, the money poking out of it. Yeah, so yeah. Like, um, grabs it off her. They arrest the mob boss, the police chief comes back in and, and asks for Bill Murray's name to give an accommodation he gives a fake name um, that sounds a bit like one of the aliases he gives when he's the, in the on the uh, phone yeah yeah that's what right what was it again oh because he first Chip, called Chip yeah because on the phone he says I've always liked the name Chip then Skip and then no 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 actually Skip call me Skip and then the name he gives on the plane is like a merge of them but I can't remember what it is well, no, he says, call me Chip. No, I want to be called Skip. And then when he's, he calls Chipowski or something like that on the plane. Yeah, that's right. And then he's like the, the police officer after, you know, well, the people are cheering him and there's all the, the press there. Um, 
Yeah, because like, then oh, they, they make a remember, high profile remember arrest. I've got to give that you know, that accommodation to yeah. Chapowski. Chip, chip. Chip, chip. <laughs> and then it ends, pretty much. Yeah, and the, and the, you know, the press don't care about this bank robbery anymore because they've managed to cap- capture this mafia boss. And that means Bill Murray and Gina Davis can fly off to Fiji and have great time with all their money. And they yep. get away. I kind of wanted them to get away when I was watching but Yeah, because they, they, they make them to be that lovable kind of... It's a bit like... Buster, the you know the great train robbery movie where you kind of like. I mean, I know it's Phil Collins, but you're kind of uh, cheering him on to win. It's just one of those lovable roads, isn't it? Film. Like, like the um, <laughs> like the Italian Job, or yeah, sure, you know, that kind of thing. Like I was looking at the IMDb trivia, and you were saying that um, uh, that it's a lot like um, Dog Day Afternoon. Okay, and apparently uh, Clown Day Afternoon was one of the taglines. Oh, okay on the dvd or something like that and also apparently when they were shooting in um new york they actually had like you know like how we were talking about with um boys in the hood yeah they actually had gangs trying to say you know we'll be a protection but you've got to pay us protection <laughs> <laughs> no way and bill murray was like nah, no but i think i think bill murray is really good in this it's, it's one of his finest i think captures bill murray really well just that kind of he's so jaded in it um and still funny it's really it's all that kind of deep like especially for 1990 that kind of it 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 captures that kind of energy of him on screen really well and i like the kind of i like him in it a lot i think he's really good in it and it works really no i agree like it's like uh like don't get me wrong i like the man who knew too little and uh, life yeah. is larger than that but it's he's a better version of that 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 side of his acting i think in this yeah, film definitely. and he was obviously very attached to this one because you know he was a co-writer he was a producer he was a director so this is a film that he very much obviously wanted to do yeah so i don't know why it ended up being a co-directing thing i don't know if that was just because maybe it was his first time he was also the lead so he's doing all these different kind of things i on guess the that set. helps yeah that he needed someone else to to direct it with him or what or i don't know it, yeah howard franklin who was the co-director is a bit of a weird um a bit of a weird one because he was a writer i think for name of the rose i think that's what but okay i think his first film was this his first directing was actually this and i think he's only directed three films which one of them was that joe pesci film the public eye okay no one really remembers but he's like a journalist i think and uh, and then Larger Than Life is the other film he did, which okay. this is a I think Larger Than Life was just him Howard Franklin directing, whereas this is Bill Murray and Howard Franklin. And I think because you've got Bill Murray directing in this, I think it's a better directed film, and it plays Bill Murray better. Where really Larger Than Life, there's not much Bill Murray in that. That could be any actor, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just it could be anyone just blah and someone has an elephant you know really like the one thing that bill murray's good at is doing long speeches yeah like in meatballs one he does like a he does a few long speeches that kind of yeah, rally sure. like the yeah uh, like the kids together a lot of them you know he does it in ghostbusters several yeah. times he does it in this you know what i mean he's kind of got that kind of like he's kind of a guy that you want to kind of he's not an authority figure or even like the smartest guy but he's all he's got this kind of I don't know this infectious kind of 
He's one, yeah. He's one of these people that you want to, you want them to like you. You want them to respect you, and you fight yeah. for that a little bit. I think. I think that's the energy of Groundhog Day as well. In, I mean, I think I didn't write this review. I think I've read it before for Groundhog Day, but it's a story of a man who thought he was a god, does become a god, and then learns to become a man. Yeah. And um, I think that energy of Bill Murray as a man who thinks he's a god is a lot of how Bill Murray is, especially in this time period, like Ghostbusters and stuff like that. It's that, that energy that I am the most important person right now and all you are a little bit beneath me. Beneath me, which yeah. Which is a weird character to put into a romance, romance-like kind of view, but he is played as a romantic lead at this time. Um, he's a romantic lead in Ghostbusters, really. It, you could... well, this, well, in the first one, yes. Because you know he, he, you know he crushes on uh, yeah Dana, and then the second one he kind of becomes a surrogate father for Oscar and yeah. kind of mans up a bit, doesn't he? And like it's weird because Ghostbusters one, there's no arcs really in that film, but the second one <laughs> you could at least say there is an arc to his character. Yeah, he, he kind of learns something and kind of grows. Scrooge, um, you got that romantic um, undercurrent as well. Yeah, um, yeah, he's again that grumpy kind. Well, not that, grumpy, but he's like he's like. He's very like uh, driven, isn't he, in that film? Yeah, and there's the yeah. the um the girl that got away. I can't remember the actress's name. Is it's it... um what uh what's her name from it... Raiders Lost Ark? Uh, Karen Allen. Karen Allen, yeah, she's yeah. also in uh, Animal House, isn't she? Yeah, um, and then this, which is just after them, him and Gina Davis. That is the romantic. That's the kind of through line of the film really is is their romance and it's he kind of stops doing that then until lost in translation i guess well that's the thing uh, yeah that's that's what i was trying to say you get this build-up of him as his romantic lead groundhog day nails it and he doesn't really go back to it apart from then lost in translation where he again yeah. really nails it and in and what surprised me about lost in translation watching it again now after watching all these bill murray films was the fact that they have the energy of his romantic leads at this time period. He brings that back into his performance that I just think has been missing for a lot of the lot of that nineties, um, for whatever reason. I don't know what roles he was taking or what he was interested in doing, but he works. I don't know why it works. This is the same thing with Ghostbusters. No one can tell you why that film works, um, but he does work in this kind of cantagorous kind of romantic lead, and he's charming, and you want to like, you want that out of him. You want like he's interesting in that way i think i'd say the one thing that i don't know if this helps bill murray in that respect is that he looks like he, a normal guy he doesn't look like he's not harrison ford who looks like a <laughs> yeah sure who looks like a, a hollywood actor he just yeah. looks like a guy you'd pass on the street do you know what i mean he's kind yeah. of got this everyman quality to it to yeah especially in this time period he's even got like you know proper receding hair and stuff and it doesn't it just yeah, looks yeah. good you know you know and like you know, I'm not trying to say he's an ugly guy or anything. No, no, no. He but is, but he's just a just a, a dude. Do you know what I mean? And he's just kind of. I think that's what people kind of are attracted to him by. That, and, yeah, he's not an every man, but he has that quality. Yeah. But um. Well, yeah, because his bravado isn't that of an everyman. It's exactly. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm larger than life, kind of. But hey. trapped in this body of just a schlubby looking guy. It's weird. He's kind of a, a strange guy. You would I never. Don't, I don't mean it, to say schlubby because he's not, because that implies that he's a big dude. But he's not. He's like a quite skinny kind of. Well, he's got a bit of a stoner quality to him as well. Oh yeah, massively. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's schlubby a little bit, but. Well, yeah. you know, from Caddyshack and stuff like that, yeah. where he's smoking that giant spliff, and like, um, 
like especially his character in stripes because like yeah. he's kind of like that kind of guy who doesn't know what he wants to do with his life which i thought because you watch stripes mm-hmm. it, like his idea to become um, maybe i missed it but like his idea to become to join the army kind of comes out of nowhere <laughs> and yeah, all that's of a sudden that's his, and then he just spends the whole time just trying to kind of go against it all yeah basically <laughs> and like he talks howard ramas into it for like so easily, so it's easily. like how Ramos is teaching, and then all of a sudden he goes around to visit his friend, yeah. and he's like, "I'm joining the army. Do you want to come?" And then next thing, they're enrolled. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Join the and army. Ramos gets annoyed with him for talking him in. It's like, but he, he didn't really talk you in. He just said, "I'm going to do it. Do you want to do it?" And he's like, "Yeah, right then." Right, yeah. Why not join the army? It's totally like the script totally just goes whatever. We need to get him in the army. Just get them there. What did you think of uh, Stripes? I enjoyed it. I. I, I I think I might enjoy this film more than Stripes. Oh really. yeah, this is this is a better film than Stripes, I think. But um, it holds up enough for an eighties comedy. Yeah. Um, there's some questionable bits in it, obviously, oh, yeah. like a lot yeah. of eighties uh, comedies. Um, but it, it's, it's funny how like films like uh, Police Academy definitely took kind of this the the the, the mold, model of this, I think, of Stripes. Sure. Sure, to make Police Academy, yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. you know you've kind of got there, you know, Steve Gutenberg kind of his enrollment into the police force. Steve Gutenberg's then got the a last... bit of that same quality, hasn't he? Oh right. yeah, just just not as good. No, no. <laughs> but I, but but definitely, you could see no. that they kind of were on a similar kind of. But Bill Murray's definitely funnier than yeah Steve Gutenberg. I think but... I, I, we've said it earlier with Batman. I think Keaton and Bill Murray are the two people that, for me, really feel like are the same wavelength. Um, and yeah. the same quality and stuff. They've had very similar careers, weirdly. Uh, in, in well, Keaton's the... very much tried to shy away from being the the love interest, though, or whatever, hasn't he? Apart from he did do Multiplicity, which Multiplicity, was the follow-up say, yeah. to um, yeah. to Groundhog Day. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, good, good, yeah, good point. Same director. Same director. It, I just, I, I, I watched I... that recently, and um, some of the effects and that don't hold up, but it's. it's it, it's not. It's a good film, but again, it's got some really bizarre choices it's of humor. Got some nineties humor in it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched Multiplicity since I saw it in the cinema. Maybe. Oh no, I must have seen it on VHS at some point. Like, I definitely didn't. I definitely didn't have it on DVD. Uh, yeah, and Annie McDowell's in that as well, isn't she? Yeah. But yeah, I do, and it's weird. Like, both both of them had a kind of refreshing part of their career as well. Like, I think. Was it Birdman that really did it for Keaton? Um, yeah, then, that was his big comeback. Must have been Birdman. I mean, and then, like uh, that film. I was going to say Spotlight. He's amazing in it. Um, and then Spider Man as well. Whereas Bill yeah, Murray, yeah. Bill Murray had a slightly different thing through kind of um, you know uh, Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums and like uh, and uh, Lost in Translation. So they both had this bit like wilderness years a little bit and finding their voice as an older actor an older character actor kind of like yeah like comedian that yeah i'd say in the 90s probably after batman returns yeah he like keaton did like you know multiplicity speechless jackie brown but a lot of those were kind of like bit parts really yeah uh like how murray was in the in the 80s yeah and then finally came back it's like i don't know what spurned him off or whatever but he kind of did white noise in 2005 uh, yeah. and that's when he... two wasn't actually he no just... it was the first one was it the first one 
And that was like his first lead role in a long time, I think. And then and he ended up in like Toy Story and Robo. Like then he started doing bit parts again, like in RoboCop and Need for Speed, and then. And it's like he built built a confidence in him again or something. Yeah, because he was in uh, Birdman, as you said, Spotlight, The Founder, Spider Man, Dumbo. Was um, Keaton, Keaton's first film was one of those comedy films, wasn't it? Was it um, it's it's not in my head. Kentucky Fried Movie is that the one that's his first uh, one, or is that Val Kilmer? Am I that's Val Val Kilmer's might be Top Secret. I don't know. Uh, Top Secret's the one I am thinking of, and Mr. Mom is the film that kind of made. Yeah. God, I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know he was in Morbius. I don't know what Morbius is. You know the. Oh, the, the, the vampire one. Yeah, so you must be playing. Birdman. The vulture in that then. Right, so what would you give um, Quick Change out of ten then? Uh, ten out of five. Out of ten. I'm not. I'm not good at rating things anyway. Don't give me ten. Um, I, I three point five. It's a solid comedy, and I enjoyed it. And yeah, yeah. I'd give you about a three. Three point yeah. five, I think. It's a good. What film. your? F- so your what are your top five favorite Bill Murray roles again? Then would you say? I don't know what my favorite Bill Murray roles is. I can I can try and think. Ah, I haven't even thought of that. Um, I mean, Lost in Translation, I said it a hundred times. Groundhog Day, Lost Life Aquatic, Ghostbusters. What would be the fifth? Um, did I say Rushmore? No, you haven't said Rushmore. No, so Rushmore would be the top five, yeah. Not Dumb and Dumber 2, where he plays Ice Pick. (laughs) I forgot he was in Dumb and Dumber 2. Until I was looking but, earlier. But that just shows what kind of an actor he is. He'll just yeah. turn up for a bit part to play like a a joke in a... But then like, yeah, well. um, him as Bunny in Edward is an amazing role. Um, he does oh, it really fantastic. well. I'm trying to think what my favourite... I'm definitely Ghostbusters. That's, that's a given. Groundhog Day. I kind of want to say Kingpin because I think he's so good in Kingpin. <laughs> he is really, that's really good in Kingpin. So good. Um, I'm trying to think what my favourite Wes Anderson film is I, I love Life Aquatic I mean that's the only one where he's been the lead correct? yeah yeah. I mean you could argue Rushmore a bit but yeah Life Aquatic is the only one he's the absolute lead um, yeah Moonrise Kingdom he's only, he plays the dad of one the, yeah. the character that runs away correct? I can't remember yeah. uh, he's Budapest he's, he's just the um He's just another concierge, isn't he? Concierge, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be Life Aquatic then, really, hasn't it? Because that's like the f- fully rounded character. Yeah. I love the I... end of that film with Queen Bitch playing and him marching is the best ending oh, to it's a brilliant. film in the world. I kind of want to say Little Shop of Horrors just because I love his cameo in that so much. It's so good. Just when he's putting all the like the the swabs in his mouth because he's just getting ready, and like Steve Martin just is so baffled by this guy who's so willing to have to inflict pain upon himself. Yeah, because he's, he's just really turned on by the whole experience. <laughs> I wonder who Great. played if that part was a character in the original. Little yeah, Shop that part is um is is, is, that Jack? is Jack Nicholson. Oh, is it Nicholson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder if he's playing a guy who's turned on by pain. No, no, it's different. <laughs> it's different. All right. 
So, uh, should we call that a wrap for today? Yeah, that's yeah, that's. I really that was good. Like, it's nice kind of after doing the whole night is to kind of look at another film from this, and we didn't touch on Bill Murray in any other film and stuff like that. And he, as you say, for me, an actor that means a lot to me. And I go, yeah, hundred percent agree. So, I mean, you know, I've got T-shirts of him. I've got, as I said, I've got toys. I've had posters of him on my wall. Like he's kind of, he's always been <clears throat> like a major part of my yeah film loving life i guess um so next week we're going to do a similar sort of thing as well um um so in similar sort of vein next week we're going to do another kind of standalone 90s film and whereas this one we were looking at bill murray what we're actually going to do is go back and look at a film that we've both seen and just go and reevaluate it in the spirit of the 90s really so we're going to be looking at batman forever but maybe i can't wait i can't well, wait but... to rewatch this film no uh, me too. Um, I think it's it, it'd be nice for me to look at it as a film from the nineties, not not a film as a follow up for Batman Returns. Yeah, they're, they're very like, different as its things. Own, as its own entity, you mean? Yeah, as its own entity, almost. I mean, uh, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna like lay it down there. I'm gonna watch Batman and Robin as well because I think those two are just kind of off a piece. Yeah, they're of a piece. It's like the fries with your burger. It's kind of like <laughs> you have to have the two together. <laughs> which one's which? Oh, I don't know. I think Batman Forever is the burger, maybe. It's got to be. It's got a bit more meat on the bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, we're going to look... I, As we've said it before, I loved Batman Forever as a kid, and it'd be interesting to see what I think now, because I haven't seen it in just forever. And yeah, that'll be next week. Uh, oh, Liam, before you go, can yeah. I persuade you to take a sandwich with you? Yeah. Oh, it's a line from the film. Is it? It's, oh, it's the first line in Batman Forever is, can I persuade you to take a sandwich with you? And then what? Batman goes, I'll get drive through. What? You'll what? get, you'll see it. I don't remember this film in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> I am so hyped. I'm going to watch it now. <laughs> All right, then. So that all about wraps it up for today. So don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. We are uh, Adjust Your Track. That's uh, with a YR, not a your. We're also on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, please rate, review and subscribe. We really uh, appreciate any feedback given. Also, thank you to everybody who's listened so far. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, feel free to kind of have a little conversation with us. Tell us about what your favourite Bill Murray films are, your least favourite Bill Murray films are, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, don't forget, if the pitch is bad, always adjust your tracking. <laughs> <laughs>